Huzzah! Huzzah. Pizza. Pizza. Tacos. Tacos. Just for the record, for those of you who have been watching for a while, that wasn't me. Wow. For the first time ever. Well, holy shit, it's been a hot minute. It seems I've said that more and more. But, uh, <laughs> the, the interval between episodes keeps getting longer and longer. So. It was the holidays. That's true. Speaking of, what are you drinking? Was that nog? I have eggnog, and um, my wife bought me some. The Kraken. Ooh. It's got two little handles on it. This is such a cute little bottle. <laughs> like, the first time I bought a bottle of, of... I bought it because it had the giant Kraken on the front of it. And I thought, hey, that's neat. Um, and I wanted to keep the bottle. It was huge. I think I think the only size it came in was, like, the four-gallon jug. Um, and since then, I've, I've gotten, like, a normal-sized bottle. And now I have a tiny bottle. So... What about you? Nice. You got some some ciders? No, I am drinking Crazy Uncle uh, Hard Root Beer. Oh, yeah. Wobbly Pop. Like actual Wobbly Pop. Mm-hmm. Smells good. Ooh, that could be dangerous. It is. Those those things are dangerous. Are we looking at percent? It's 5%. So. To the holidays. To the holidays. So how was your break? I know um, we, we technically have spoken to each other fairly recently. We yeah. almost did an in-person recording. Uh, almost. opted against it kind of last minute. So we had a meetup. But that was, you know, more than a day ago. So I, I don't remember anything we spoke about. I, it was probably the same stuff we always talk about. Just rehashing, retreading the same old ground over and over again. <sighs> that happens I mean, a lot and it scares the shit out of me one of the things that happened with my father as he got older and his dementia started to kick in especially in his last like 10 years or so and it was hilarious is that we would have a conversation we could go three months four months without really talking to each other and 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 we'd meet up and he would just pick up that conversation where it left off or start that conversation again from the same point we did previously. Yeah. Like he'd been waiting for, for three or four months to, to, Hey, I've got this thing I want to talk to you about again. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, I noticed that more myself though. And, and, and that kind of scares me because I'm not anywhere near as old as he was when he started sliding into I've noticed, uh, I used to always have the, like when I was trying to think of a word, it was almost always right there on the tip of my tongue, you know, and not, not like strange or, or words I don't use every day. And now it's not. And that is a little bit frightening. Hmm. So there's times when it's like, Hey, what's that? It's like the, the, the Simpsons episode. Hey, Hey Marge, give me the thing. Dig food. You mean a spoon? Yeah. 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 Give me. And yeah, and I find I'm, myself doing that where it's like, hey, can you pass me the uh, 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 salt? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that with people, you know, oh, uh, yeah. trying to remember like 
Five seconds before I need the answer to the question, I would have the answer already in my head and at the tip of the tongue. And then five seconds later, when it's time for my mouth to start moving, gone. Yeah. Gone, gone. And then I'll sit and stew on it. And then finally my mind will wander to other things. And then an hour later, I'll just like shout somebody's name at random because that's the name I was trying to think of before. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. There's a guy that I work with. Oh, I don't I don't technically work with him, but a guy that I know through work. And I've run into him in the street a few times and like trying to introduce him. It's like, oh my God, I cannot remember this man's name. I just, it's not there. Right. And then, you know, you'd get home later and it's like, oh yeah. 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 So that's, that's that. Yeah. Break was good. Um, It was, it was nice. I've, I actually today just kind of reflected on the fact that I haven't thought about work in three or four days. Right. And that's that's uncommon for me because normally what happens is I, I I'm not working. I'm I'm not on the clock, but my brain is mm-hmm. still sort of crunching away on the problems. And I literally just didn't even think about it. I thought about some work stuff briefly for about five minutes earlier today um, because I have a, a geometry problem I'm trying to solve at work. Mm-hmm. And something reminded me of it. I went, oh, I wonder if this would work. Nope. And then it was just gone again. So it was great. Nice. It's been mostly the same for me, uh, actually to an extreme that I was, I was hoping to avoid. I had a small laundry list of stuff I wanted to do, like not work related, sort of mm-hmm. like side hustle related or stuff around the house or hell, even stuff I promised you I'd do, like put together some notes for that D&D campaign from our last three sessions or so. Um, wasn't expecting that well i know you weren't but i was like i want to do this i actually want to go through review the video do some because i want that in my head i need that information right i need to, to nope i've been playing some video games i've been watching some tv i've been doing while technically not nothing spiritually absolutely yep. nothing and it is absolutely everything i thought it could be oh yeah you know, I've never really liked work. I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. What about bills? I don't never think I'll really pay those bills either. either. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that movie is my spirit animal. I swear. <laughs> oh, it really, really is. So we should we should probably mention the fact that like this probably isn't going to show up on YouTube. No. Um, so one of the things that, that we, yeah, one of the things that we did discuss is a bit of a format change. Now, for those of you that are listening to this as a podcast, not a hell of a lot is going to change. It might actually change for the better for you. Um, we're not going to do a recording camera thing for the regular podcast and posting it at least in that format to YouTube. Uh, there's a couple reasons for this. One. I mean, who wants to look at our faces? Like, there's that. Uh, listen, the first few episodes are on YouTube. If you need to know what we look like, go look. <laughs> Maybe we'll do maybe like I'll a once a year down. Yeah. Or or put up like one episode at Christmas every year or something where it's like, hey, here's how we've changed and here's how much white there is in my beard now. Yeah. No, it's more of a streamlining thing, actually. Um, you know, as much as I'd like to say that was the reason for it, um, the reality is, is, uh, two things. One, the actual act of recording. Um, I, you're probably not this way, 
Uh, but I am where it's like, oh, I, I got to shower and put on a clean shirt. Like my hair, right, is if if it's been more than six hours since I've had a shower, my hair is doing things. <laughs> it's it's the Kraken. Yes. Wow. You know, I don't know if your beard gets that way or, or yes. something, but yes, you know, so even just the act of, oh, I'm going to record tonight and that's going to involve, you know, this amount of time out of the evening. Yes. Plus, at least an hour before that, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to shower. Do I have laundry? You know, like, do I have a clean shirt to put on? It's the weekend. Yeah. So normally I'm not doing laundry until Sunday night before I have to go to work Monday. It's an ordeal. So this is going to streamline some of that. Yes. Uh, the it, second and probably better reason is that based on some of the feedback I've received, a lot of it from my wife. I love you, honey. Um, one of the big... And I say big in quotation marks. One of the minor gripes uh, about our podcast is, and this is all on me, I tend to pause. I tend to, to deliver slowly. I think about what I want to say. And sometimes that's five, six, 72 seconds of dead <laughs> air where you're just looking at me, you know, the, 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 mouse wheels going around the hamsters doing its thing or whatever. And when we're recording video, it's really hard to just remove silences. Like the, the, the detection method to do it isn't even there. Never mind. Like it would be a very like manual process of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cut the video here. I'm going to cut this section out, mash it together. It's a bit of a pain in the ass. And, and then you also have a video where everything's just jump cutting all over the place. <laughs> Well, you know, we could just put it up as long form TikTok, <laughs> right? Well, and that was that was one of the other reasons why I wanted to do video initially is I was looking at something like YouTube Shorts as an mm. example for how can I how can we as a, as a YouTube channel start pulling people to to YouTube? You know, like the the discoverability for the podcast stuff is kind of its own thing, but it was like, how do we get people here? The reality is, is it shorts almost don't work that way. You know, it was nice to see our viewer numbers go up when the shorts were out there, but they were empty calorie views. They weren't turning into follows. They weren't turning into, oh, let me listen to the long form version of this podcast where Shane's brain like seizes up for 10 or 15 seconds at a time and nothing's actually happening. I, I think it, it's well summed up. It's well, really well summed up by uh, Rich's reaction. Did we talk about Rich joining the the D and D thing last episode? I think we did. If not, uh, we have not yet. We knew he was we, going to, but we haven't oh, okay. actually had All a right. session since we had him there. So, that's so something we're going to talk about later. But yeah, so Rich and I played uh, EverQuest together for uh, more years than I'd like to say. Uh, you know, any video game that you've played for when, when your played time is actually measured in years, like not, I've been playing for 20 years, but I literally have five or six years of logged on to anyway, EverQuest is a drug. Um, <laughs> when we were still playing, I was still playing EverQuest when we started this thing. And I, I mentioned to the, the folks that I was playing with, like, Hey, it would be really helpful if you, if you followed and listen, if you're entertained, <laughs> And he said, okay, well, I'll go give you a follow right now. And he went to the site and he went, holy shit, these things are two and a half hours long. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we were in the beginning, we were doing like 
ridiculous because those are what our conversations are, right? Like we have a yep. conversation. It's two and a half hours long. That's just how long those conversations are. So, yeah, we've we've had to edit ourselves a little bit, I think. Yeah, we forced ourselves to kind of cut that into half and try and record two episodes. And then that turned into sort of a weird thing where we were half in the bag, you know, not stealing shit. the trademark. But, you know, we were, we're half shit faced. Yeah. yeah, half shit faced by the time we were recording the second episode that would be released cold like a week later. So then we were only doing one episode. And then eh, anyway, this is just going to tighten things up. The production value on the audio side, I hope, will improve. I'll still likely upload these to the YouTube channel. You're just not going to see our faces. It'll just be a logo or something like that. Because I know that I there have... are legit people that like to use the the YouTube interface or YouTube music or something like that as their player, and that'll make it available there. So I have an idea about that, actually, because one of the things that I wanted to bring up and I forgot to write down in the show notes is uh, New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. Do you have any? So I'll go first. I do. Um, and it basically breaks down to eat less and move more, which mm -hmm. is not it's it's intentionally vague. It's not about, uh, you know, like hitting targets or hitting milestones. It's just an intention of being a little more careful with the amount of junk that I eat which was mm -hmm. already pretty good, but I, I needed to sort of refocus again um, and moving more, which is just like take a walk, do whatever. Mm -hmm. So we played, uh, we played like ping pong for 45 minutes over the break and neither one of us died, but it was probably touch and go. It was, it was close. Yeah. Like we weren't I, even having a competitive game. We were just sort of having a conversation while whacking this ball across the table. Yeah, there was, I was sweating. <laughs> uh I, I mean i had to bend over to pick up a ball i, I nearly died uh, <laughs> uh in any case what i was thinking is is that i want to do uh i have a, a bicycle that i paid 20 dollars for which is fantastic um it's really really hard to find a used bicycle anymore that isn't like carbon fiber ultra lightweight 75 gears with you know, some designer type of derailleur and extra special disc brakes. And I'm like, I want a lump of iron with two wheels. That's really hard to pedal. Like the whole point for me is exercise. Anyway, so I found one. I'm planning on doing just some, you know, bicycling around town. We have uh, quite an extensive trail system that starts at the end of my street. Mm -hmm. So I could record video. I would have to borrow a GoPro or, you know, we could take our, our Patreon funds. Oh yeah, that's right. We're not making any money doing this. Um, and just sort of record me like, like headlight style bicycle video. And we could put this over that in slow motion with like fade cuts between things. And it could be the same bicycle route every time. Mm -hmm. Like here's two and a half hours of video of, of a bicycle traveling down a trail randomly cut together with our voices over top. That's one thing we could do. That would be a little bit more dynamic than just a logo. I still want to try and figure out, and I know we talked about doing this like nine years ago when we were originally pitching, doing something. I want to find a way to like trigger animation based on audio. Like we both have our audio tracks, right? Like mm -hmm. I think it'd be hilarious, honestly, if we just South did Park. like the South Park Cartman yep. kind of animation of our faces doing this kind of stuff as we Terrence talk. and Philip. We're even Canadian, so it's perfect. Yeah. Hey guy. <laughs> Pull my finger. 
Uh, but anyway, we'll figure that out. The stuff is still going to be on YouTube and the, the product is going to be tighter. That's what we're doing. Uh, we're also going to be bringing other content to YouTube. We know we flirted with the idea of doing some streaming stuff before we did the pilot episode. Um, we had the dong incident. (laughs) We're too many dingles in the dangles. (laughs) So we're going to pick that back up. Um, probably in the next week or two now that we're over the holidays and getting settled back into the new year. So there will be regular YouTube only content available. Uh, there will be live streams. There may be some other special stuff that we do. Nerd fights is going to get, going to get into the high gear here, probably in January and February. Yeah. Well, um, we got, we get two in the, in the, two in the, the hopper. Yeah. yeah. Did you finish your stick? No, no. Did you? Did you start? No. Uh, I've 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 got some sticks outside. I haven't decided on which one I'm going to use yet. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we're 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 neck and neck. Then we're level pegging on that. that I front. have some I have, ideas. I was actually doing some doodling, um, and I have some ideas for what I want to do. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I haven't haven't got into it yet. I I have some ideas as well that involve um, soldering and circuit boards that I'm not sure my skill level is up to. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Well, nerdy, right? Yeah. I'm making Yeah, I would assume stick. if there isn't if there isn't an Arduino of some sort involved, like what are we even doing? Uh, I wasn't going to go that complicated. Oh, well. What are you even doing then? Oh, that's fair enough, yeah. No, I, <laughs> well, I was I was thinking about uh piezoelectric generators though. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah what's what's our budget for this thing because i'm already like at three billion mm. <laughs> just in batteries <laughs> <laughs> oh oh man okay uh the other thing that we might do here uh we were talking about it in person when we when we have conversations like our conversations in person tend to Start light. They start nerdy. Hey, what's been happening in Baldur's Gate 3 for you? Because mm-hmm. you know, not only are we a Baldur's Gate 3 podcast, but we are actually like Baldur's Gate 3 NPCs in real life. <laughs> but uh, the conversations devolve into like serious shit where we get talking politics and we get talking like world issues and stuff like that. And it's stuff that really doesn't fit the bit that we have no. here. Not even remotely. It's not entertaining. Um, No. So it's very much going to be pushed into a side thing. We tried to get into some of that a little bit in some of our earlier episodes. uh, Talking about things like Canadian broadcast regulation and Bill, you know, C-11 or whatever. You know, unless you're really, really interested in it, it's probably not something you want plugging up your podcast feed. So we think we're going to start a little side thing. There's no no fixed frequency. Maybe you'll get one a month. Maybe you'll get one every six months where we'll we'll have more sober conversations. I mean, we'll probably be drinking, but we won't be, you know, playing up the under the influence part maybe as much. Um, whether we're talking world peace, whether we're talking, I don't know, how oh, I'm a yeah. filthy, grubby pinko or whatever, like. 
I don't I don't think we're like if we're if we ever have <laughs> arguments about how far left we are. Oh, oh my God! Speaking of of left, uh, I have to tell you this. So we went to a for the first time in about fifteen years. We went out for New Year's Eve. Um, there's a, a local group. I, I don't even want to call them because they're not really sort of formal. There's there's a half a dozen people who are kind of the core of the thing, and then there's like a dozen or two dozen people. They they put on a cabaret once a month, um, which it, it's literally just here's a bunch of various people who are going to come up on stage and some of them do poetry, some of them sing, they do uh, like, they're all very talented. Uh, it's kind of like a, an acting singing. It's cabaret as, as, as these things are. Um, so Cindy went to one, uh, really enjoyed it and got to, it's, we're friends with a lot of the people who are in it. And uh, she, of course they're all, they're all actors and artists, right? So they're trying to, trying to like check people into the door and organize seating. And like, they've, they've, They've organized like the things that you would normally have, like a clipboard with various sheets of like, here's where people are sitting. Here's how many people we've got. Here's what the numbers are. Here's what the prices are. Here's how things work. They have a series of post-it notes that they have. uh, Some of them are written on post-it notes. Some of it is written on napkins. Some of it's on toilet paper. Some of the toilet paper might've been used to wipe somebody's nose. Some of it's in a filing cabinet at the bottom of the stairs in in a locked room a sign on the door that says beware of leopard right so cindy came through the door and basically went can i can i just work the door for you right because of course her thing is just organizing everything and she's really really good at it so she she basically took over and said like all of you go away i will i will get people organized and in the door and then they they said to her do you want to just like do this Right, come and come and just like be this this person for us because we we don't know how to do it. Um, so <clears throat> they invited. So she did that uh, for the the New Year's show, um, and basically said, you know, can my husband come too? So I went, uh, and there's a bunch of people there from like around town that that we know of, and and one of the guys that I golf with during the summer came over and said, hey, I, I like the beard, and my beard is you know sort of growing in now. And I had freshly shaven my head, and he said, "You've you've really got a really got a Lenin look going on there." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, that's that's not what I'm going for." But then I looked in the mirror and went, yeah, "He's not wrong." <laughs> uh, we must seize the means of production. Yeah, I was right. going to say, definitely more Vlad than John, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he still had a full head of hair. <laughs> and, he, and he could sing. I I sing like like Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. <laughs> so anyway, that's the thing we're gonna do. Uh, we don't know when we're gonna start it. It's just it's gonna happen. It'll be its own thing. If you never hear about it, things are working as intended. Yes. If it is something that you're interested in, if you are fond of the sound of our dulcet tones. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll eventually get to hear a little bit more of us. Now, we don't know what it's going to be called yet. We have a few ideas. We are thinking in contrast of nerding under the influence, it would be sober something. Uh, sober talk and sober, a couple of them are already taken, like by legit podcasts that have, you know, followers and stuff, probably even trademarks. <laughs> but we're going to come up with something. If you've got any recommendations for what to call this shit, uh, hit us up 
for those of you listening in YouTube, leave a comment. For the rest of you, fire off an email. Uh, podcast at nerdingundertheinfluence.com. Uh, we were quite happy to steal your ideas and call them our own. Yes. Yes. Ooh, how about nerdy sober shit? I wonder how that would play. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. I'm not sure how nerdy it'll end up being. Well, I mean, we're a couple of nerds talking about things that we're totally not qualified to talk about, so that that could be entertaining. Yeah, we could go with what you were suggesting before is, you know, like we just we have no idea what we're saying, you know. Don't mm-hmm. listen to us. Yeah. You should totally not listen to what we're talking about right now. It's because we don't know. Yeah. Have you been playing some video games over break? I have. I've been playing one video game over break. Um you want to I talk finally about it? I do. I used to be an adventurer like you. Stay a while and listen. Let me guess. Let me guess. It is Microsoft Solitaire Collection, maybe? Is that what you've been playing? The one game? I do actually play a whole lot of Microsoft Solitaire Collection. Um, I, it's the thing that I do when I'm watching something. I'm, I've been watching um, Have I Got News For You, uh, old episodes from the BBC. Uh, and I can't just watch, partially because like it's it's old news, right? I'm just watching it for the jokes. So I play Solitaire while that's happening. Um, but that's not the main game that I've been playing. No. Oh, what have I, you been playing? Well, I've been playing this game. I don't know if you've heard of it. You know, I, I was playing it before it was cool called Baldur's Gate three. Um, were you, uh, yeah. And I got, I got some progress done, but I have a sh- I have a bit of shocking news for you. You're starting all started over, again. over. Yeah. For a legitimate reason. Uh, I got to the end. Uh, there's something that I, I kind of want to talk about that's related <laughs> to something in table talk uh, about the end of act two. So there will be spoilers later. Um, but basically what happened is I got to the end of act two and I didn't like the choices that I had made to that point. Right. I got, I got, and it wasn't so much about the, uh, the tadpoles. It was just, I started off this character as kind of a joke and I'm like, Oh, it's, it's got some legs. And then I, I went to this point and I'm like, I don't, I don't like the choices that I've made. I don't, I don't like the choices that make sense to continue making from here on out. Cause I, I kind of was, was playing as like, I was the thought in my head was this is somebody who is not necessarily evil, but kind of neutral and also power hungry and interested in accruing more power. Right. So I consumed all of the tadpoles, right? Like all, all of them. Um, and fly is really cool, but I don't think that all of the rest of the choices that I made to get there make are, are like, I don't think fly makes up for that. So, so there's a reasonable chance that if we do a Baldur's Gate three stream and we play two hours a week, I'm betting that that game sees act three before you do in single player. I no, I, I have arrived in Baldur's gate. I got, I got to that point before I, I started over. Okay. I actually, I actually got to the kennels and told the kennel master, get out. I'm keeping scratch. That's more or less where I stopped that general okay. area. I did a bit more after that, but not, not much. So, 
I'm my wife has started playing the game. I'm going to uh she's uh she's just she's played through a little bit to kind of get familiar with it and I think we're probably going to start up a, a game just the two of us uh for entertainment purposes sometime this week. So <laughs> that should be fun. Hopefully the next time we talk I'll have some updates on that. Something that Tanya and I have not done a lot of. Um she games a little bit now not she does a lot more mobile gaming now, like stuff on her phone. Uh, but she had done up until that point, a lot of like PC gaming and console gaming stuff. And aside from like us playing a little bit of like world of Warcraft together, I think we even had a little group going for a while there. Uh, when wild WoW classic launched, I believe, um, we haven't done a lot of like multiplayer games together. We've played a lot of single player games at the same time, you know, similar vein to, to Baldur's Gate uh, 3, and I don't know if I've told this story before, but the whole reason I bought an Xbox 360, like I hadn't had consoles in the house in forever. Um, kids had their consoles and then, you know, outgrew ours, but I bought a, a, an Xbox 360 for us is that Dragon Age 2 launched, which a little bit disappointing of a game, but still well worth playing. But she was playing it and then I was coming home from work and I'm like, I want to play this. And I wasn't kicking her. Like she didn't have a gaming PC that was all her own at the time or it wouldn't play mm -hmm. the higher end games at least at the time. And it's like, Oh, we can't both play this at the same time. And instead of playing multiplayer or anything, I just went out, bought an Xbox 360. She likes playing with a controller anyway. So she was yep. playing single player here. I was literally within five or 10 feet of her playing single player on PC over here. <laughs> and that's kind of how we game together. That's, that's probably safer for your marriage. Yeah. We do play D and D together and it's been touch and go, but we've managed to, to stay married through that. Yes. It's I should probably, ask her. She might want to play Baldur's Gate three. Honey, do you want to play Baldur's Gate three? I want to ask you to leave it, a comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pod bag it, nerding under the influence. Uh, um, oh, what was I going to say? Something. It's probably easier for you to play Dungeons and Dragons together when you're not the DM. Actually, it's, it's yes and no. What I've found, and, and this sounds absolutely stupid, I can't play D&D &D in the same room as her, whether I'm DMing or not. There's just so, so much opportunity for like misreading and miscommunication and like my facial expression does one thing and, it, you know, she's reading it as something else. And, you know, that just sort of feeds off of itself. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're mad at me. No, I'm not mad at you. Why would I be mad at you? Or vice versa. So even in, in the game that we're now playing together, she's downstairs in our room where I have my normal machine and I come up here into the office and, and play here. And that seems to work a lot better. We only have in-character drama now. And that's great. <laughs> I think playing Baldur's Gate 3 might be fun, though. I should ask her if she's interested. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be. I mean, it's a great game. Oh, it is a fantastic game. And she's, she's probably seen a fair bit of it in watching me play through. You know, she's, she's pretty good to just, like, keep an ear out on what's going on and, and consuming sort of vicariously that way yeah it's the um 
The story is a little bit more difficult in multiplayer, I have found, because there's a, a group of, of friends from in town here who are like, hey, we should get together and play Baldur's Gate. And then there's the self-imposed rule of we don't reload unless we all die um, or the game crashes, which mm -hmm. unfortunately due to the internet in the area happens at least once a session. Mm -hmm. um, but we have we have a couple of people who are playing on probably less than the minimum re recommended specs. <laughs> so it's like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And there'll be a couple of people running ahead and looting all of the boxes and bins and stuff and talking to people. And this other person isn't even loaded into the game yet. Yeah. That's a, the, that's why I'm so hesitant to play this kind of game or really any game multiplayer is just, you know, you get those people that are just, they, they got a pace, they want to go, they got to do this thing. They're talking, they're having conversations. They're playing it as if they're playing single player. Yeah. And you're just, you run into that. Well, we got three conversations going on at the same time. And here I am just trying to, you know, follow somebody. Yeah. If, if party split. And, ah. Like, unless yes. you have a good social contract and everybody's just like, yeah, everybody's agreed to slow down. Or, or we've, we've all played the game once before. We agree to do it chaos, right? Which is kind of, that's, that sort of leads into uh, like what we've thought of, or what I proposed we do for our Baldur's Gate 3 playthrough, which is just murder hobo everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, in my, I, I started, I started again in honor mode um, as a, as a himbo elf and uh, I killed Lazel. Or I got Lazel killed. Uh, so before bef she, I came sort of around the corner where she's in the cage, strung up, and I shot out the bottom of the cage before any of the, the stuff started. And around the corner, combat's happening, and I'm seeing numbers go up the screen. There's, there's healing and damage, and I'm like, oh, well, I screwed that up, and I guess I'm, I'm not going to have Lazel in the party. Uh, or, you know, she's killed those tieflings. Gosh, I hope that doesn't screw up the story later and then i come around the corner and she's dead and the two tieflings are walking away like oh all right so i looted her as you do um and then i thought well i wonder if i can resurrect her and you can i i did not because you can't do that with minthara mm -hmm. right uh if and i don't know if minthara dies due to someone else maybe you can but i don't i don't know how you would arrange that no, um, there is a workaround for, for getting mm. Minthara. You, knock you have out. to like knock her out at a certain point and then she'll show up in Moonrise later. Yeah. And you don't actually have to play like a completely evil kind of playthrough to, to get that. I'm, I'm going to try that on honor mode, but. So remind me, cause I haven't looked at the new modes. Uh, what is honor mode? Honor mode is basically you have a single save file. Uh, so you can't like go back and go back and go back and go back. There's a limited amount of reloading as well. Uh, okay. So you can't, you can't save scum rolls. Uh, it's uh, tactical or is it tactical? Tactician. Uh, mm -hmm. Tactician has like sort of everything is, is up to like hardcore rules. Uh, Honor mode takes that a step further that there are a few more. And I don't know what all of the limitations are. Okay. Um, and bosses have legendary resistances. So the bosses are tuned up a little bit. I haven't met the first boss yet, so I'll let you know. 
the uh i i did the the combat at the entrance to the grove um and i don't know if it's because i've done it so many times i didn't find it any harder mm-hmm. um i did blow myself up which was sort of hilarious uh yeah so i i mean i had but i i had all of the enemies in a pile of grease and i thought that i was off the edge so i had somebody put a firebolt in it and it killed like three or four of them and me well it killed me and put me down to death saving throws yeah seems like a fine sacrifice yeah yeah at least you got the bad guys right i got the bad guys don't need to play the rest of the game yeah well i mean that's that's the whole point right is kill monsters and take their loot yeah so i've been playing some video games too Uh i've i had started a, a new playthrough of baldur's gate 3 and that was going fairly well like i was taking my time and making sure to catch all of the things that i'd maybe not all but the majority of the things that i'd missed i was making sure that every every inch of every map was explored so i haven't actually left act one yet in that playthrough but i got a little bit distracted i i think i was talking to you about it uh but i don't know if i've talked about it here uh my coworker and friend paul um weird pizza guy for you know mm-hmm. <laughs> deep cut to some early episodes um has been talking about valheim now i've i've owned the game for i don't know a couple of years at least uh i've played it maybe an hour twice and just sort of never stuck with it and he's like hey i'm gonna start up a server over the holidays do you want to join and i'm like well probably not i'm not I'm not into the multiplayer thing, but, uh, you know, maybe he's like, well, no, it's going to be noob friendly. Like, we're not going to rush anything. You can kind of play it at your own pace, play it like a single player game as you want on the server. But if you get stuck, I can help you out. Like, ah, eh, I ended up doing it. And so far, I've mostly played it as a single player game. Playing uh, multiplayer does introduce the extra challenge of it's like some survival games where there's a day night cycle and you can sleep through the night cycle to sort of fast forward to the next day. And in multiplayer, that only works if everybody that's online sleeps. So if I'm just online by myself, it was fine. I could just sort of sleep through. But if other people are online and they're not sleeping through the night, you just got to kind of play the game through the night and that'll ramp up some of the difficulty and stuff. So that's been interesting. I should preface this by saying that I normally bounce off survival games, like core survival gameplay, especially multiplayer doesn't appeal to me a lot. And I've tried it with a a few games, um, arc survival evolved, uh, was that Conan was it Exiles? Conan Exiles? Uh, here's one of the Conan games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know, I know the one you're talking about. Um, I enjoyed Minecraft. Like, even just playing SMP in Minecraft was fun. Um, but I was the guy that was building the weird shit, you know, like taking the, like the, the, the doing the machines 50, and stuff, right? Like 50 foot tall golden cock and balls. No, I wasn't doing a lot of like, you know, creative mode, even in, in SMP kind of just, here's something like a statue, you know, of 50 foot cock and balls. I was the guy <laughs> that was building like the machines to farm stuff, 
you know, like here's okay. a sort of the next meta level of gaming where it's like, okay, how do the systems work? How do the spawning rules for monsters work? How can I leverage that to essentially build a machine where monsters would spawn and then I could kill them and get their loot and, you know, like I really enjoyed that aspect of Minecraft. There's other survival games that I've loved. Single player. Uh, Subnautica, I think, is like one of the most underrated games of all time. But while it was a survival game, it had this really cool story and lore. Like it was subtle. It wasn't in your face. Mm-hmm. But you'd be reading logs. There would be sort of a progression that would you would unlock of, of story and, and mystery as you're naturally playing and, and moving into new areas and working your way to the end goal, which is ultimately get off of this planet you've crash landed on. And that that little bit of story, you know, I love the lore, right? I know you love the lore. That hooked me into games like this. And so far, Valheim, while I'm enjoying the basic gameplay loop, doesn't have enough of that to really hook me. And I'm now, um, it has ages, call them Stone Age, Brawn Age type things. Like it, it, it isn't literally labeled that, but like you, you know, starting with a stone axe that you're building and you're eventually working your way to the point where you're able to mine some stuff. Every time you beat one of these sort of world bosses that unlocks key technology that'll be important for sort of the next phase or going into the next areas or doing the next thing. And I'm up to the point where I would say I'm late bronze age. Um, and, and really, it's sort of gear yourself up, farm these materials, open up the recipes through manufacturing some of the shit that you can. Making bronze nails unlocks a cart that you can use to make mining copper a little bit easier because you only have, you can only carry so much copper at once and, you know, encumbrance, blah, blah, blah. And then you can, upgrade the armor that you craft your bronze axe up you know two three levels and i'm kind of going through that grind now and i think i'm hitting that point where i'm ready to tap out but i don't want to quit yet you know i want to give the game a chance like I, i think from what i've read and i'm trying not to spoil too much but the emphasis and, and sort of the grind shifts as you go through certain phases. So as I move, I'll beat the next boss, and that'll take me into an area where I can find iron. And accumulating iron is a lot easier than copper and tin. So the grind will move to some other aspect of the game, I think. I want to try and try and get there at least before I say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done and bored. But if I'm being honest with myself, I'm kind of done and bored. Yeah. The good news is I started playing Cyberpunk. Uh, I finally bought the expansion. Now, I'm not into the expansion as of yet. But uh, I've been playing. I, I decided not to like use my old save game. I was going to start... Uh, the game over again because I haven't played it since the 2.0 patch dropped with all the new systems and cyberware and all of that stuff that was overhauled. I was shocked to see how changed that was. I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't know any of this anymore. Yeah, and just you know, the, the all the things that finally got to at least a semi finished state that weren't there. Like I played obviously at launch when the game was very much incomplete, still enjoyable. Uh, 
NCPD systems weren't there. Like you'd do something and, you know, cops would just spawn, you know, right behind you. Stuff like that. I played it again, but didn't finish the game. I got to the, the point of no return. Um, at 1.6, which was a lot of overhaul, but it didn't have all the new system stuff in place. So I wanted to start from scratch. And I'm, I don't know, level maybe 13 or so now. I've been picking away at like NCPD missions and, and gigs. I've progressed the main storyline to the point where uh, I finished the, the heist and, and now I'm tracking down... Um, What's her nuts? Um, drawing a blank on her name. This is what I was talking about earlier. The the, the nomad chick. No, or? no, no, no. Before that, the 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 woman, um, Judy's friend, that had the, oh, the okay. job for the heist. She after the heist, she kind of disappears, and you got to go to clouds yes. and yes, sort of track down what's happened with her. I'm at that stage of the the main. Quest. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's a reasonably far way along. Yeah. I'll eventually get yeah. to the point where I move away from the quest. I'll I'll get into Pacific and do that stuff so that I can do the expansion content. But that's probably three or four days away before I get into that. But I got to tell you, man, I know I said it was hard to go from playing Cyberpunk to Baldur's Gate to Starfield. Wow, is it ever shocking to go from playing Starfield back to playing cyberpunk like yeah. everything that is missing from starfield just in terms of the basic presentation the the cinematic oomph is just so evident even in like the the old cyberpunk stuff and i'm noticing it so much more now that i have i don't want to say the bad taste of starfield look i've, I've bitched and griped about this game a lot i put four days worth of playtime into that game. Um, completed all the major quest stuff, except for one quest line that I didn't even realize was a significant quest line until was it Ryujin or anyway, not important. There was fun to be had in that game, but it's different. It's, well, it's fun to be had in the same way that like there's fun to be had and go going back and playing an old game from like the early aughts or the late nineties. Especially if you know everything about it and you can overpower the whole thing from beginning to end. Or even if not, like even if it's just a good game, right. Mm -hmm. And you can overlook some of the issues, the quality of life stuff, the just not being on the same level as, as what you would expect of a modern game just because, Hey, it's, it's old. Yeah. Technology was not advanced at that point. You know, if Starfield, like if they were setting out to make a game that felt like playing an old game and they leaned into that, I would forgive a lot of the things that I've griped about, but that's not what they were doing. You know, they're promising something that's supposed to be crazy next gen. And yes, I was able to find the fun in it, but the the contrast between it and Cyberpunk or it and Baldur's Gate 3 it's probably more stark than I originally suggested it was. So it's maybe like a C and an A plus instead of an A plus and a B. Cause yeah. it's a pass. It's a passing mark, right? Yeah. 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 And 
you know, this goes back to something I've said before, like we've hit this weird time where pretty good just isn't good enough anymore. Where like if something's only pretty good, it's 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 a complete failure that should be avoided. You know, and and a lot of people talk about Starfield that way. And I know I've griped a lot about it. And I and I want to be clear that like play Starfield. I'm Why sure there'll sale? be something in there you'll enjoy. If you find it on sale, that's great. But don't under any circumstances jump out of Baldur's Gate 3 or Cyberpunk or I haven't played Alan Wake 2 yet. I actually haven't played the first game yet. Uh Tanya got into it a little bit. It's supposed to be fantastic, the the second game. Anyway, don't play those games and then jump into Starfield expecting something that feels like it's on the same level, you know? Um mm-hmm. it's very clear that Starfield is a framework not a game and they're expecting modders and and the third party people to come in and make the game for them. And it's an interesting framework. There's something to be said for that because there's an awful lot of very talented people who are interested in sharing their work with the world. I mean, the number of, of mods that exist for, for Skyrim, for example, some of them are amazing. Yeah. I just think they took the wrong lessons from a game like Skyrim because Skyrim playing at vanilla without mods, aside from a really terrible user interface uh, on okay. PC, was still a great game. Like vanilla Skyrim was fantastic. I wouldn't hold it, you know, in the same caliber as Witcher 3. Now, you know, Skyrim was 2011, Witcher 3 was 2015. I tried to play Skyrim going, you know, after playing Witcher 3 again. Mm. Like, you know, I played Hard. Skyrim when it came out like three or four times, played Witcher 3, played through the other Witcher games, and then tried Skyrim. And it was all of that nostalgia and rose-colored glasses and all the things that you didn't really notice the first time playing it really stick out in contrast to something that is clearly superior in a lot of ways. Starfield was like that experience amped up to like 11. Hmm. I have an interesting, okay, interesting is the wrong word. I have a sidebar that I'd like to bring up. You, you talk about sort of the time played on things. How long did it take you to finish Baldur's Gate in hours played, do you think? I don't know. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I want to say it was probably around three days worth of playtime. So that's 96 hours, give or take? Uh, 72. 72. Okay. So I just finished Act 2, um, and I have over 100 hours played on that yep. game. So we approach the game pretty differently. Well, to, and, and as a point of comparison, like I probably in my second playthrough have 50 some odd hours in, and yeah. I'm not out of Act 1 yet. Yes. My initial playthrough, when I, whenever I have a game like this, really is I generally try and chew through the major story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't stop. To, I smell some of the roses. Like, I'll do the side stuff that's obvious and looks interesting. But I also try to avoid spoilers. And avoiding spoilers for somebody like me that is perpetually online is very, very difficult. So I'll generally push through that main campaign in a game, get through it. I did the same thing with my first playthrough of Cyberpunk. Get through that. And then if the game allows you to just go back and do the side stuff still, mm-hmm. then I'll just kind of take that game as I've I've got it just before finishing the game. Usually it'll kick you back to, you know, 
just before the point, you know, return or whatever. And I'll go through and do the side stuff then. If it's a game like Baldur's Gate 3, where you can't go back to Act 1, I'll do that do fresh it. game. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I'm doing now. So what? I would not be surprised if by the time I finish it the second time, I'll have I'll have the 100 and some odd hours into it. Because I have been literally, you know, looking around every tree, you know, looking at the top of every hill. And, you know, can I get up there? What's up there? Yeah, and that's that tends to be how I approach everything because I don't I I dislike big spoilers, but I don't mind mild spoilers. You know, like the the idea that hey, it turns out that so and so is actually such and such. Oh, okay, well that's that's interesting because a lot of times things like that are are telegraphed a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things about almost any game that it's like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, you know. There was one, I made an early call um, when I was in the Goblin Village uh, in Act 1, the first time. Because mm-hmm. there's a list of missing children on the wall. Um, I, I made the call that I thought sh- sh- like Shadowheart was going to end up being one of those people. And I think I was wrong. But it would have been an interesting tie-in if it turned out that she was from that village. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you were wrong or not. Um. I don't know. I just, I just literally yeah. got to the point where her hair has changed color and she's got her okay. extra quest to avoid spoilers for anyone who hasn't played through it. Yeah. Well, I won't spoil uh, it for you, but you know, yes, it's telegraphed. Yeah. You know, Oh, you conveniently have no memory of, of, of this stuff from your past. And you're told that, you know, you choose to do that and whatever. Yeah. 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 No, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's telegraphed and I, I do have a thing to come up at the end that, in my mind wasn't and i might be wrong i may have just forgotten as i say i was 100 hours into the game at that point but anyway definitely make sure to do shadow hearts um like quest now now you can go in a couple of different directions with it you know you can encourage her to go you know dark hair or light hair you can you can you know have her have her embrace char you can have her this isn't a spoiler to say you can kind of convince her to not be a murderous bitch. Shocker. Yeah. Um, I imagine both of those points lead to a similar sort of end point with the story of her past where it kind of comes up and she learns things about herself and, and whatnot. So whatever way you go, see it through to the end because it is fantastic. Like, I didn't really like Shadowheart much as a character, like as a companion. I liked having a cleric in, in my party, so she was always one of my mains. But once I got into her story, uh, it was one of the, the, you know, better character stories I've played in a game like this. Uh, Asterion's another example of like, I oh, didn't his... really like him as a character, oh, but you did get, not either. But you get to the, the story and, and have you followed it through yet? Like to the end where you. Uh, no, I do. I, I have no, cause I'm, I'm just in, in, uh, in act two. So I haven't, I haven't met his, uh, his old master yet. Okay. But, but I know what the scars on his back are. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, and, and I've legitimately seen his dangle. Cause I was, I was romancing a starian on this one through. I, I don't know if I told you when I started this one, I started as a, uh, as a dark elf necromancer and I'm like, okay, so the shtick is, is that I'm fascinated with power and I'm fascinated with death. 
and the very like you know the, the when he uh you agree to let him uh drink your blood or whatever yeah i just never stopped him until i was dead and yeah. i'm like oh i didn't know that was possible okay <laughs> right and then it was like literally every day it's like you can you can drink my blood again if you want um just because i thought i thought it was hilarious and his his character development and arc is amazing yeah it's a, like and the, the voice actors i it's uh neil somebody i forget his name but he's really really good yeah he won awards at the game awards this year i think for it um all of them are him. fantastic you know, yes. there are some characters that I think as of, you know, as a result of the writing are a little bit flat. Like Will's storyline is kind of interesting. I kind of bugged into not being able to play it out the way I wanted to play it out in the first gameplay. But like the the, the writing for the character is a little bit flat, so it doesn't really give the voice actor a ton to work with. But Yeah, but you know why that is? Between... Um between early access and the main game, there were some gripes about his character and story. So they basically rewrote the whole thing in like the last month before release or something. Mm -hmm. So that makes a certain amount of sense. You know, it wasn't bad again. Like, you know, it it was just when everything in this game is gold star, right? Like having something that is just, it's a gold star, but one of the, one of the points didn't stick. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Anyway, do you want to uh, do you want to do some table talk? Let's talk about it. We've added a player to our game. It was a success, I think. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little bit um, apprehensive, right? Because it's it's that same thing where you have like. You have a friend group, and then you have another group of friends. And when you amalgamate the two, it's like, I really hope that that my friends are all friends with each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. And this, I think, was pretty pretty good. So, Yeah. um, I think he and I, like, bounced off of each other fairly well in terms of, like... Tactics? Yeah. You know, oh, here's another guy that wants to, you know, not, not necessarily min max and, and do all that kind of shit but like oh here here's a here's an appropriate situation to do some ambush stuff why yes. don't we have a conversation about it in advance we're both sneaky sneaky let's just kind of go over there and we can kind of get behind them and do a little pew pew um i caught myself once right because i built this care well i didn't really build the character you you sort of chose the the oh. character in class and i I'm, i know which sort of sub class I'm, I'm leaning into so i opted to go sneaky sneaky with it and then we got the rogue like two sessions in and it's like oh i need to make sure that i'm not monopolizing this style of gameplay so like session one we're going into that cave uh whatever it was at the river oh the goblin um, cave yep the goblin cave and i was getting ready to sneak in and i'm like oh shit we got a rogue now so you know i mean Bug doesn't talk, so he's just trying to telegraph shit to say, hey, you're a rogue, right? Do you want to go in here and scout ahead, or do you want me to do it? Because that wasn't so much an in-character thing as me catching myself out of character, (laughs) trying to make room for the new player without just going ahead and and kind of doing this thing that a session ago I would have been the one to do. 
And that was great because it allowed him to go do it. We sort of saw eye to eye on like, hey, you know, we recognized that scouting was a good thing. We He took care of it this time. And he's like, hey, Bug, do you want to go over here? I really enjoyed that. Now, the two of us are going to have to be careful not to eat up a lot of session time doing that kind of stuff because there's other characters in the party that very, very much aren't about that. So it'll be... Mm-hmm sort of finding the balance between the tactical gameplay and kick in the door and go left. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, Chris is leaning into as the, the appointed party leader and Cindy's character is very much like, just let's go smash some shit. Uh, Tanya's character is I'm a druid, but I'm doing, you know, cartwheels and backflips and stuff and and just getting right in there. So Tanya's personality is kick in the door and go left. Yes. So regardless of whether she's playing sneaky, sneaky or a barbarian or a druid, it's kicking the door and go left. And Which it's is beautiful great. to see. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so nice. It's so nice as a change because most of the people that I've played with previously have been really experienced players and they're, they're into that kind of thing where, um, I'm trying to find an example because I can pull an example from upcoming stuff in our game, but I can't, I can't use that. But like the, the, you know, you, you see a squirrel running up a tree and it's literally, I I described a squirrel running up a tree for background color so that you know that you're in the woods and there's wildlife around and it's not, you know, tame, but it's not particularly skittish either. And they'll spend like four hours trying to figure out like, what's the significance of the squirrel and which side of the tree did it go up? It's like, it's just a squirrel like move move on and but he's I, shifty looking can he be trusted i mean can we t- like, can is we it tame a real him? squirrel oh my god can we keep it as a pet right all of that stuff and yeah. in new players who come to the game the right way are oh hey it's a squirrel is the squirrel significant no okay cool i look at the squirrel i move on it's great and I think that's something that we, like our group, actually struggled with a little bit last session. And it's, uh, I know we talked about it a little bit when we met up in yeah. person over the break, but I'll sort of rehash it here. This is the first sort of significant material that we've gone through with you where you haven't at, at least been leaning on existing sort of supplement stuff or modules. So you're creating a world and you're sort of trying to describe it and you're you're adding flavor, right? And and yes. part of the challenge is is I know based on the friction we had, our beef in yes. in, in trying our to beef. have me contribute to fleshing out this world a little bit. You're going for a very particular sort of style of thing where you've got a grab bag of random shit that like, ooh, this would be interesting to have in a world. Ooh, this would be interesting, but it's literally you know, two words that got rubbed together and you're yes. kind of pulling them out of hat and it's like, boom, here it is. You know, where, where you're going through, uh, you took us through Sunless Citadel, uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. And then we did the Tales from the Yawning Portal, the the other one, the the sort of Mesoamerica based one. Oh, uh, the Temple d- of... Tachal, Cachalotl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, there's something with a lot of consonants in it. Yep. But it's the kind of thing where when you're doing those modules, right? Like the, the, the flavor text that you might read is, is very sort of generalized. Like, you know, here's what the walls kind of look like. Here's the decorative kind of stuff. 
But when it refers to a statue or something like that, that's usually because it's significant. And, you know, as a group, we got trained to look at those things when it's like, oh, this isn't just murals on the walls or or the material that, you know, that's up in the ceiling or whatever. It's not dust on the floor. It's, oh, here's a strange looking statue. Well, we're going to investigate that. That's our squirrel. Yes. Well, we've been trained to know that it's 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 important based on how a lot of that module material is written. So we're you've done homebrew kind of around that stuff, but you're always leaning on that stuff for some of the 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 day to day kind of session to session shit. Now, like it's all homebrew, there's there's no material here that you're leaning on except your grab bag. So you're you're underlying stuff, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but this is, you know, this is stuff that's that's come out of your mind for the most part now. Yes. And, you know, we're not in dungeons or something like that where you're setting the mood based on atmospheric stuff like dust on the walls and, and water trickling cobwebs. down and yeah. cobwebs, right? So you're adding stuff to the world like, hey, here's a strange statue that's just sticking up out of the water. And we're like... Okay, let's look at it. Blink at me. Blink at me. Now, we did run into a construct or something like that. It was kind of a... uh, You must have been rolling on a random table or something, because it was like, here's a statue. It's of like a a washerwoman or something like that. Then like, Mm -hmm. here's a statue, but it's made of metal lying down, and ooh, it's blinking at you. Yeah. He doesn't want to be bothered right now, really, but, you know, there's something cool about him. Then we get to where we were going, and it's like, oh, there's another statue, but it's fallen over and laying down. It's like, wow, this is a lot of statues. It feels like some of it was super important. And, and maybe some of it was, but you know what? In our sessions, it didn't turn out to be. No, uh, most, and it felt most like of maybe it, it could have been, you know? It, it could have been. It was, it was more, it was very much more me trying to give you a visual sense of how much and how many different flavors of ruins there are like you found like three different statues and they were all of very very different styles within a day's walk of each other and it Uh, is worth pointing out um that as a group with the exception of uh the new character that joined us we were very much having our uh samwise gamgee you know where he stops and he's like if i take one more step i'll you know be further than i've ever been leaving the shire kind of experience where we're venturing out into this world for really the first time all of us so i think bug like it'll probably turn out that he's been you know because he's got this sort of weird birth where he just arrived at this village we haven't figured out that mystery yet but maybe he's been somewhere else before but in in the shit that he would recall, the stuff in his memory. He's venturing out for the first time, too. So literally every misshapen tree and different species of bird and random fucking dragon that just sort of flies down and it's like, soon. <laughs> Trademark. That was, that was probably my favorite part of that episode is just like, ah, uh... It's just, it's, and it was like, like dragon that you could walk up its nostrils really, really big, yeah. like ancient, ridiculously ancient dragon. And just, you know, looks directly at one character and says, soon. And then flies away. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, we definitely, you and I have a very different style because my, my thing is I, I only want to create 
just enough of the world to be around you. Like, I don't care mm-hmm. what's happening in the continent over until you get to the point where if you ever do get there, where you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're working on uh, like massive geopolitical things where it's like, okay, we're leading an army and we're going to invade this other continent. Mm-hmm. Now we need to know what's happening on the other continent, what the geography looks like, what's the, the trade fallout from that going to be. But I mean, at the moment you're punching rats. You really only need to know like how big is the basement and can I cast fireball here? But it is an adjustment for our party. Um, yeah, a bit. You know, I think and, you handled it really that, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The The other thing that's worth mentioning is that also in our stuff that you've done before, we haven't had a lot of the, the sort of road trip travel adventure stuff. Yep. Right? So I can think of a couple of instances maybe early on in the Curse of Strahd campaign where you actually rolled for some random encounters and you were doing the, okay, who's keeping watch, you know, who's mm-hmm. staying up, okay, roll some constitution, yada, yada, yada. But aside from the very early days of that campaign, it's just not something that we did. We got sort of swallowed up in the hub adventure afterwards and it just, so There's... it's new to us as a party as well. So mm-hmm. we're, we're having to adjust to mechanically the difference in the game and also the the difference in delivery and and the significance of of things right like in 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 this game what does a statue mean you know sometimes a cigar is just a cigar sometimes it's just a statue yeah there's well there's 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 two a couple of things that i'd like to pick out of there and expand upon the the one is is that uh like i don't like keeping track of of arrows unless you're unless you're firing off like all of your arrows in three rounds like i'm not i don't I do not want to play an accounting simulator. No. I mean, it's just not fun. It's one of the reasons that I, I made a world where there's basically not really any money. Right? It's, it's kind of trading favors. Like you want, you want something, you do something for me. Um, it, just because I, I, don't, I don't enjoy that sort of like, okay, well, uh, how many pounds of gear am I wearing? Like, are you carrying an elephant? No, then, then no. it's fine. And generally, I don't like to focus on that stuff. I, I like no. from a role play aspect, like myself as a character, just so that I have something to do after after combat. I'm still going to say, I'm going to go try and retrieve some of my arrows while yeah, everybody else sure. is, you know, looking at loot and maybe the things that I'm not interested in. But that's just filler. I'm not, okay, well, I'm going to recover seven arrows because I used nine or whatever. No. And yeah, I was the just... same way. And I'm pretty much the same way like when it comes to things like gold and stuff with my groups, it's you can keep track of it, I guess. I don't really award a lot of it. And the stuff that you do get, like keep track of it in amounts like a little, a lot, and I'm filthy rich. Yeah. You know, that's, like if it's if you're trying to do something that's like, oh, I've got this spell and and as a as a material cost that needs, you know. A, a three thousand gold piece, you know, valued diamond. Mm. What I want to to be able to answer is: Well, is it plausible that your party has that much gold? Yes or no? Yeah. Are okay. you going to be able to find one? Yeah, because that's that's probably going to be yeah. the hardest part. I, I know that I've I've played in in campaigns before where there's like whole sessions, like four to six hour sessions, just taken up with. Um, like bartering and selling off the gear from the last dungeon we were in. And there are times when that's enjoyable, right? Like if you're the kind of person, uh, we used to play with a, a friend of ours was a, a used car dealer, mm-hmm. right? And there's 
there's all the, the tropes and, and stereotypes about that. And he's a really nice guy. He's, you know, super entertaining. So we would do a four hour session where he's sort of haggling with the shopkeeper and we're all making snide comments and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't enjoy running those. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly wouldn't enjoy trying to do the haggling part of it. Some people do. And if you do, that's great. It's, it's not my thing. The other thing is that like that whole sort of series of things that you see as you're traveling was an attempt. And I'm not sure how well it came off. Like I felt like it was okay. Like everybody was sort of participating in it a bit. Um, it was just instead of saying, okay, seven days pass and you're there. Right. Um, and also not just, okay. And you meet seven wolves. What do you, what, what do you do? Right. It was, you just sort of, I did roll on a, on a table and more or less went like, here's a table. Here are things that fit. Here are things that I would like. And I made you guys roll at the beginning to see which ones are going to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Here's two or three that have to happen. And here's the rest that, you know, randomly could happen. Um, but everything that was on the list was, you know, things that plausibly could exist. Mm hmm and and would fit with you know the bits of the lore that uh uh that I've made up. Oh, I did do some writing actually over the break. So Ooh. you will you will be happy to know that you do actually have a sort of overarching goal that should become apparent in the next session or two. Or at least, make it at least an overarching here's a thing that you could do. Yeah. Uh, that'll be big for our group, I think. You know, the, the, we've had the, what are we doing today? Because literally somebody this morning told us what we're doing today aspect yeah. of the game in a few sessions. Um, but we haven't had any of the, well, what are we working towards? Right. You know, where our, where and, our game went last session, like it was just pure happenstance that like the rationale for bringing a new character to a, our table, who was, I assume, I don't know if he was always going to be from like a different village or, yep. you know, plays an elf. You know, we're all humans. We have never seen elves before. He came, came to us looking for help. So it was like, okay, well, now that we've done the one thing that we knew we needed to do today, I guess we can go do that because we don't really have anything else to do yet. And some of that is, is a result of, you know, being, you know, the, the trope of kids on the farm. Yeah. And you're going to become, you know, world striding heroes. Like, what are the first steps? The first step is, you know, uh, so and so needs you to womp his rats. Yeah. Um, what is? Uh, it's it's not horse boy. What did uh, what did Buttercup call Wesley? Farm boy. Uh, farm boy. Yeah. Farm boy, fetch me a bucket of water. You know, that's that's the stage of the adventure, and it's like as you say, like we're three sessions in. So. Yeah. Not making any judgments. None of this is meant to be criticism. I'm just sort of reacting to where we are and interpreting how we've been kind of reacting to, to the game sessions. And I think in general, once we have an overarching sort of here's the today's adventure and here's what we know about the grand adventure to come. That will give us something to sort of shape our actions and, and kind of steer us in a direction at least. Yeah. Yeah, because there was one of the things that I wanted to try to start out with was to avoid the uh, the, the chosen heroes trope a little bit, 
So instead of like, here's, here's your quest to save the world. It was more like, like it's a day to day thing. You know, like, what are you, what are you doing today? Mm -hmm. Right. And it turns out that's a little bit more difficult to write into because you have to have a bunch of choices for things to do today. And I'm not interested in writing like a hundred choices so that you can have all of that, uh, all of those options. It's just too much. No, no. And I don't, don't think we really need it. I just think we need. You need a medium term goal as opposed to. Yeah. Just we just, today. we don't. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, okay. We've, 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 we've want the rats and, and you know, the buttercup has, has, has welcomed us with a few pints of beer and now we're asking what next and and what next as an adventuring party like in in a game mechanically speaking but also like in how you run a game ignoring the first couple of sessions which is very very much we're at what next should be an open question to the party to discuss here's our options that we know we have which one of them do we want to do now how do we want to approach it it shouldn't be we literally have nothing to do npc ex machina tell us what to do next kind of thing again yeah. fine for the first few sessions and as we get our medium term goals i think that'll never be an issue again um it might and it might not i mean like there's you know, there's t- yeah, there's yeah. going to be there's going to be times when it's like okay so um yeah i was really busy at work this week so um and that's NPC, fine. NPC number 17 says, oh, no, my daughter's been kidnapped and she's in a castle. Please go rescue her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, I've DM'd enough to know that, like, usually what will happen in that instance is the party's going to try and take a step towards whatever their medium term goal is. And something else is going to happen to pull them away. And it's just going to be random, you know. And that's fine. It's totally fine. Chasing squirrels. We'll be chasing squirrels, but once we've 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 caught that squirrel and we've interrogated him, who do you work for? <laughs> uh, I work for the nuts. <laughs> once we've done that, we know what to you know to pick up where we left off, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I just think it, it was uh, again not a criticism, not a criticism. The combination of of just the very like linear this is what you're doing today what are we doing tomorrow don't worry about it You'll figure it out tomorrow okay we'll do this today and the combination of the pre-made characters that really don't have any backstory so none of them have any sort of like specific motivations some of them are just general sort of motivations like i'm going to get out in the world and see the yep. world or i'm going to you know make a difference or i'm going to try and help people or, or whatever None of those are actionable at this point. So it was just like, I don't know. No, those are, those are general directions and that they're, they're general directions to help me sort of build, you know, the, the, uh, the rail yard for where does the train track go next time? Yeah. So you're running a game too. I am. Uh, we've been on hiatus over break as well. Uh, we're picking things back up, I think tomorrow and I haven't done enough prep work yet. Yeah, and we're kind enough. of at a at a at an interesting point where I'm going to start ramping up difficulty and challenge a little bit. I won't bore you with the details because again, my games tend to be a little bit wider and deeper in scope. 
you know, and, and it works well for the players that I have because they're like, they're more crazy about the lore than I am. Like they've been going back and forth role playing all holidays, back and forth oh in our, our text channel and Discord, um, which is just great because like I can lap it all up and be like, ah, that's what I'm doing next month. Oh, there's what I'm doing two months from now. It'll help shape and mold that kind of stuff. But the type of game that I'm running for this group would not work for most parties. And I, and I recognize that, but with this group, I can layer on the complexity and the, the, the character shit. Yes. To, to interject. Cause you're ramping up the difficulty. Do you actually calculate difficulty and try and pick out things or you just more or less go, eh, that's about right. And then adjust I, on the fly. I do. Uh, when I'm building encounters, I will use an encounter calculator and then just kind of gut feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had a few moments where, like, the my gut feels worked out well, where it's been, you know, hey, there's a good chance we might not make it out of this fight. Like, it's been touch and go uh, a couple of times with them, and that's been great. Like, you know, those have been some of the, the most intense moments the group has had, um, where, you know, one or two of them have been making death saves. But it's also been in a controlled environment where it was was they had ways out, you know, like I was not gonna, gonna paint them into a corner of somebody in the party dying. And I'm still not looking to do that, but narratively speaking, it is appropriate now for me to, to just turn the knob a little bit. Um, so I think I've explained it before that my party had been whisked away from sort of the same world that your game that I was running, uh, started in. Now they'd, existed in that world and, and sort of leveled and developed a little longer than you guys had. Um, because of the, the backstories of some of the characters, I've, I found it was sort of appropriate to, to pull them away into the Feywild, where they've had more of a traditional let's save the world type of thing. I mean, they're all level nine now, so they're getting that point in the power curve where they're, you know... Things the are gap starting between, to get silly. Yeah, the gap between them and regular folk is is wide. You know, yes. they're not gods yet, but they are formidable. Yeah, and uh, pulling them into the Feywild allowed us to to give them, sort of narratively speaking, an appropriate opportunity to sort of explore some of that. Have a more let's save the world type adventure, and and the basic setup that I've had in here is that. Um, my world exists sort of in the material plane. I don't have the same sort of typical connection where the Feywild and the Shadowfell are sort of reflections of that material plane. Um, I've set them up as, as places that are related to each other a little bit more. And some sort of convergence is happening. Think of like Witcher Convergence of the Spheres kind of thing which is allowing certain things to cross over, but the actual convergence, like it's, it's a doomsday type scenario. Like if somebody doesn't stop this, there's a good chance everything's done. And that's what we've been working towards. And they've had a few forays where they've accidentally been pulled into as a result of their actions briefly into the shadow fell. And there's certain parts of the, you know, think of it like Swiss cheese, right? Like it's, it's mostly Feywild, but there's these spots which are, are heavily influenced where the material between. Yeah. Blue cheese. It's, it's not holes, but it's spotted. Yeah. There's these parts that have been 
you know, the, 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 the boundary between the Feywild and the Shadowfell has thinned to the point where certain aspects have started crossing over, whether it's creatures, whether it's just the influence over the land itself being corrupted. They've encountered creatures and they realize that they're sort of now opposed by a group of foes probably originating in the Feywild. Uh, that they're now competing with. One of them is actively trying to make this convergence happen, and then there's them that's trying to stop it. Related to one of the characters' backstories, too complicated to get into, uh, she's sort of framed for betraying her people and, and killing a bunch of people. Her, she came to, to find her mother, who she's been cut off with for a long, long time. Like, that was one of her character's goals. And the surprise was her mother doesn't want to have anything to fucking do with her and blame is blaming her for everything that's wrong in her life. Oh, boy. Because somebody has been masquerading as her, kind of like a Trojan horse situation to mm. fuck these people over. So she's arriving. She's like, what the fuck's going on? I've been like in this other place. And oh, by the way, your father's missing and yada, yada, yada. You, not the real you, retreated into the shadow fell and... To prove to me, you know, that you aren't that person, you're going to help me get your dad back. So there is a party. They're, they're choosing to, to do this and cross over into very, very dangerous place. And it's appropriate to just crank yep. up the atmosphere a little bit, crank up the, the difficulty a little bit. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a DM that's out to kill player characters but there's got to be stakes there's got to be stakes and they're choosing to do something where they know both as players and characters that the stakes are a little bit higher now they'll be able to navigate like i'm not gonna gonna make this an impossible situation but i i do need to just take it up a little notch bam you know they're they're crossing into mordor to, to use the lord of the rings parallel you know mm-hmm. Things haven't been great in, in Gundor and, and other places, right? But you cross into the lava and fields a, of Mordor and it's, it's next level shit. It's just a whole nother level of smog. You know, this is not cosmic level badness yet. You know, that's for level 14, 15, 16 kind of shit, right? They're ultimate bad guys that are still sort of looming over them that maybe it's all related, maybe it's not. But for this arc, at least... They're they're stepping into Mordor. They're choosing to do so, and I want to ramp it up accordingly because I would be, I would be shortchanging them if I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, like as players, well, it's serious. It is serious, and as players, you expect this. And and if I don't give them a few or more encounters that could go either way, where they you know where they don't walk away feeling like holy shit, we. We barely got out of that situation. Like, I could have gone either way. Like, I owe that to them. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that. They're, they're at that point in the power curve now where it's just like... Now, this is the point where it becomes really difficult to balance things because they have so many things that they can do. And there's so many things like the, the because of the random nature of everything, the, the spread of what could happen is just so wide. Like they yeah. roll bad a couple of times and it's just, well, you're mm-hmm. dead. 
Yeah, and I've done the 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 stuff that like where I I, I kind of homebrew some extra abilities and stuff on top of sort of the standard kit they would get. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not only are they all level nine, but they're all level nine with some extra extra shit that makes them special. So if I'm just using like a CR calculator for building encounters, I have to dial it up a little bit more to account for that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an interesting point where it's like, I, I encounters with big, like single creatures. I mean, they're boring, you know, and, and it doesn't really matter at this point what the CR is. Like I, I can't throw a trask at him or, you know, shit like that. That's meant to not be beatable. Like the trask is literally supposed to be an exercise in you cannot win this fight. Yeah. But you know, we've we've had um we've had a few encounters where it's like I've thrown something that like from a pure CR perspective at them is is way above what they should be doing, knowing that they'll be able to figure it out. And while I wouldn't be fudging things, right? Like to 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 prevent it from overpowering them, as DM I'm still choosing the tactics that it's using, right? So I I don't need to fudge roles to maybe not use a particular ability that you know could be on cooldown or something like that this turn because i know that if i do it like they're fucked i can use it next turn so that they don't feel like i'm not you know i'm I'm intentionally easing up but i can Mm -hmm. i can be a little bit selective of where i apply the pressure to to just ride that line of 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 risk without feeling like you've got the training wheels on and it's hard to do that just by having a you know one big bad guy, but I also don't want to have these massive encounters where it's you know four of them and seventeen bad guys. So I gotta gotta just try and find the balance where I can make things sort of interesting and and there's this is one of the things that fourth edition did really well with their sort of uh like bosses and minions mm-hmm. where you've got like a whole bunch of one or two hit point critters. That if you have the right tools, they just go, yeah. but you've used up a turn of the player yeah. that they're not attacking the big bits. And I think that's going to be a direction that I go. Hmm. You know, well, it makes you sense to the well, too. Yeah, well, yeah there's, absolutely. There's, there's lots of like little things that would be annoying if you don't take care of them, mm-hmm. but they're easy to take care of. And then yeah. there's one big thing coming behind it that's going to go, ah, stab. Yeah, and in the 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 shadow fell like it, that also makes a lot of sense. You know, they can be literally shadows of things. Yeah, you know, um, think of it like a mirror images spell or something like that. That's very much in the kit that a player could have. Maybe you don't get the benefit of of increasing, you know, uh, armor class or whatever that spell actually does. But what it does is it 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 allows you to wrangle back sort of action economy and 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 the kind of things that really are in the player's favor in encounters where you don't have seven, you know, CR six bad guys out where maybe you've got one or two big bad guys and that shitload of minions where it's like, you're going to kill these minions, but you're going to expend resources doing it. And if you ignore them, and they'll kill you. They will ramp up the difficulty curve substantially because they still hit like a truck sometimes. Or even if they're just pecking away at you, there's 17 of them. 
There was there was an encounter that we did one time as a uh, what well, we did I say I was a player in this one with a DM who was very much of the uh, Gygaxian philosophy of I'm going to get one over on the players, but it was it was really clever. It was a, a random encounter with some poisonous toad lizard things, right? And they were they were tiny, and they only did one hit point of damage. But they attacked us while we were sleeping, right? And somebody was on watch, but they're so small that they just sort of snuck in and they were literally just like one hit point. And every time they did a hit point of damage, we had to do a constitution check to see if we woke up. And if you woke up, you're like, hey, you, this thing is like attacking you and it hurts. So you throw it into the fire and it dies. But if you don't wake up, it could kill you. And there was like, I don't know, like five or six of them or something. So See, and that's the one knob that, and I think you do it too. Like we've both foregone like, the one difficulty knob that a DM has that doesn't break the game, but can significantly impact how encounters feel is rest. Yeah. And because we don't do a counting simulator, we've both sort of taken the approach where are you in combat right now? No. Okay. Sure, well, unless there's fine. something, something that's happening, you know, immediately short rest is fine. Just roll your hit dice. So yeah. I may do something to, to intentionally mitigate that while they're in the shadow felt just to to make make that resource so much more rare or make them have to plan for it yeah there's there was a thing that i i was kind of interested in the sort of the gritty realism uh rule set that is actually in the dm's guide um where it's you can take short rests whenever you can take it but you can't take a long rest unless you find a place of safety so unless you have like an inn or you're able to find somewhere safe, you can take a short rest. You can't take a long rest. Yeah. Uh, it makes uh, it makes resource management for spellcasters a whole lot harder. Mm -hmm. Unless you're a warlock, in which case it's like, yeah, let's just do this forever. Yeah. And and the trade-off with something like that is when you tell a spellcaster they can't cast spells, you're taking away their fun. Well, as long as you tell them up front so they know, yeah. like, don't blow your wad in the first encounter, know that you're going to be, like, yeah. six or seven encounters before you can yeah. – they have – like, there has to be communication, right? That's yes, important. absolutely. Which brings me to my spoiler uh, for Baldur's Gate. So if you haven't finished it, what are you doing? Are you playing like me? Don't be a fool. Finish the game. Um, Take your so own advice, man. I was trying. I just, I got to the point where I don't want to, like, this character's not fun anymore. As I tried to play a semi-evil character and it's just not me and I can't do it. So, anyway. It's fine. I'm starting over with my wife anyway. Uh, so, I got to the end of Act 2. Right? Like, the actual end of Act 2 where you get sucked into the uh, the dream world again or whatever the hell it is. And your guardian, you find out, spoiler alert, that it's uh, mind flare. Mm -hmm. And to me like that, that interaction wasn't, uh, wasn't telegraphed enough. And there wasn't enough because there's a little bit of dialogue that comes because it basically, basically he gives you a choice or it gives you a choice of like, help me subdue this Githyanki dude mm -hmm. or we're all going to die. Right. But it's, it's an illithid. Can I trust it? No, a hundred percent. No, absolutely not. Squid face tentacle man is the guy who's caused all of this problem to begin with. And I, I, that's, that's the information I've got. 
right? Like now there's, there's some, not so much for that, but like, you know that the guy that he's holding is Orpheus. You know yes. that. And from everything I've read. You know read, that. Most people that play this game. Well, I know. Because I, you know. I didn't. Until I started playing this game, I did not know any of the Githyanki lore. Okay. None of it. But you, I, you, you must have known at least the, the relationship between Githyanki. Uh, I read Gith the books in general, that exist. And, yeah. In the in the game, like I got okay. all of this yeah. from the books in the game, so I know that's Orpheus. Yes. I know that Vlacketh is a lich. I mm-hmm. know that. I know that that Vlacketh is horrible. I, I I know that the way that she treats her people is awful, and that Orpheus is a better option. Right. Mm-hmm. I like Lazel. She has come around to the point where she's ready to give up on Vlacketh's way of doing the thing. Orpheus is the other option. This guy has him in chains. Mm-hmm. I want to set Orpheus free. Okay. Okay. If you do that, the game's over. No. Game over. Yes. Game over. No. You turn into a lithids and the game is over. Well, that's, that's, that's what happened to me. Boom. You're in a lithid. Game over. Done. It must be a time because that's the way I ended up going. Right. So somebody has to. Spoilers. Spoilers for everybody. Spoilers for you too. A little bit. No, go for it. There is a cost associated with choosing Orpheus. Now, maybe it's a timing thing, and you're trying to do it too early. I'm not not exactly sure. I assume right, that's the is, case. Yes. Because you're recognizing, hey, I know what that guy is, and this makes sense. The game presents you with that later, so that you get to make that choice yes, explicitly and I know, informed. Yes, and I know that that's coming. And here's the thing is that like mm-hmm. you you show up and he goes, come to the skull. Oh, my God, I'm under attack. Come to the skull. You come to the skull. He's in a lithid. He says, help me. I have to kill all these Githyanki who are trying to free the man that I yes. have in chains. No, I don't want to do that. And if you say no to him, right, you die. Game mm-hmm. over. So the only option you have is, yes, I'm going to kill the Githyanki who are guarding the good guy from this person that I has been lying to me from the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't have enough information to make an informed decision as soon as because, of course, I, I, like, I'm like, oh, game over. OK, well, reload, try again, say, yes, I'll help you, Mr. Squid Face, dude, even though I don't want to. Um, after that's over and you successfully rechain the guy who is using his power to disrupt the elder brain to keep you from turning into an illithid, then he explains, Orpheus hates you. You have worms in your head. As far as he's concerned, you are me. If that line of dialogue and that mm-hmm. realization happened before you had to make the decision, I, all of my objections go away. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is that I don't have the information to make an informed choice. And, and there is a thing where, and it, this is a really greatly delivered line of dialogue from the voice actor who's playing the emperor, um, where it's like, look into the Elithid's mind and see what's happening. You go, okay. And of course, like he's a like, psionic master, right? And he's like, <laughs> and his response is so perfectly sarcastic. Are you serious right now? I'm speaking words literally into your mind. But if you want to look, here, here you mm-hmm. go. And I thought, okay, this is perfect. I'm now going to get a picture that tells me what's happening. Yep. But what I get is a single line of dialogue from the narrator that says, you now realize that the only option is to help the emperor. Which to me says, 
I've been psychically manipulated. No. Game over. And I think... Like, you have to metagame at that point in order to actually continue playing the game. Yeah, and I think that that's probably... And I don't want to call it, strictly speaking, sequence-breaking, but I think 80% of the people, 90% of the people playing to the game, when they get to that point where they see the gif there, they don't know who it is or what he represents specifically. Yeah, like, have have you actually gone and, and got the Orphic Hammer and stuff yet? No. Okay, yeah, so... But like that's that's the thing is but that, I mean like, like what, you've 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 squeezed every every bit of juice you could out of the game so you in the minority recognize I would much rather go with this guy. Yes. Ninety nine percent of the I know that. Yeah, ninety nine people percent of the people playing wouldn't. And every gift yank like every gift you've encountered so far has tried to kill you. It's only later when that choice is actually laid in front of you by the game and you have the context to make that decision, I think that most people are kind of brought up to speed. So I just, I think it's an, you're in a, you're not wrong. And because you, you know, as much as you know about it, it, I would liken it to if you were playing the game for the second time, you know, you have to suspend the knowledge Mm -hmm. that you already know to, and in this case, it's just that you've, whether it's been sequence breaking or, or whether it's just been, you know, you've, you've dove into all the books that you found in game and you've read the information that most players don't have. You got to recognize that, you know what, this game is not expecting me to know this yet. And I have to just oh, play okay. along as if I don't. Okay. But let's, let's, let's pretend like, cause I had Lazelle with me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, she's, she's like bought into the idea that I've been lied to. Mm-hmm. She says specifically, like her line of dialogue is, that's Orpheus. What are you doing? This cannot stand. Mm-hmm. Right? So I have to I have to go against Lazelle. And if you're approval rating of her, because I've read ahead a little bit on spoilers on this. If your approval rating with her is not high enough, she goes hostile too if you side with the Empire and you are forced to kill her. So – like my my point here is that there's a single line of dialogue that needs to be presented to you from the narrator. Like when when you look into his mind, instead of you know you have to side with the emperor, right? You need just a little bit of context of the emperor is using him to sever. And if you release Orpheus at this point, you will die. He will kill you. He will also mm-hmm. be um, what's the word I'm looking for? He'll also aggro. Basically, yeah. like he he will be he will kill you. Yeah, that's that's it. I just need that one line of dialogue. No, and, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. All I'm just trying but, to communicate is that this is a you problem specifically, and not a okay, general I'm, problem. I'm okay, and I'm yeah. trying to dial that back to if you arrive here and it's like okay, I got two people, one of whom Lazel has said we need to save that guy, and the other one is like we need to keep him in chains. Who are you going to trust? The person who's been lying to you the whole game or the person that has accompanied you to this point? Which one of those are you going with? Party member, stranger who's lied to me. I think and, that, and it, if they, I think that ignores they, the context of all the other stuff that has gone on with Lazel, though, where it's like, Blacketh is trusted and I'm going to be, you know, elevated. You know, my race is, I'm going to go, these people are going to cleanse me. 
we'll go to this, we'll find them. They'll have the purification thing. They'll take care of all of us. Oh no, they attack us on site. I think you have to handle that situation the same way everything else with Lazel's happened at that point, which is she has really no idea what's going on and she's naive about everything related to her own race. But you have a quest that is given to you the very first time that you find one of the Githyanki things that says, find the history of of Orpheus. Mm-hmm. And if you've read all three books, all all three of the, the part one, two, and three of the legend of Orpheus, and you've talked to the guy in the Githyanki crash, because I talked to all the Githyanki in the crash before they went aggro, mm-hmm. right? They were, they were suspicious and unhappy, but wander around and talk to people. That's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes. Are they insular and racist? They are. Yeah. I just, I think again, you're not wrong. Let me be clear. You're not wrong, but you've, I, I can't you see, have curated a situation that I would be surprised if there's another one in 1000 people that are in, okay. in your position right now. How, okay, so when you showed up and it's like, oh, hey, Squid Face has been lying to me this uh, this whole time, but I'm going to trust him now. Is is was that your first instinct? He has <laughs> someone chained up. I guess I'll trust him. Like I, I can't, I can't make that leap. Regardless of what you know, he's untrustable. But the, untrustable. the context, the the context that they've laid out for you, though, is. The fact that Orpheus is there is what's protecting me from the absolute. Okay. But I've been hanging out with Lazel, who is also a Gith Yankee. She hasn't killed me. So if, if I set him free, will he also not, you know, it wouldn't even matter side, at that maybe? point. Like the way I looked at it and the, you know, the, what I knew by the time I got to that point is this is a shitty situation and I'm going to have to deal with this. Cause I, I agreed with you. Like I thought it was wrong, mm-hmm. but. If I set him free now, the very thing that is keeping us alive is like that's that's what you're at. Like him inside that thing, that is the artifact, mm-hmm. and that is the only thing that's protecting you from the absolute. So, in my mind, setting him free is immediate landing the game because maybe not because he attacks me, because the only protection I have against the absolute and the seramorphosis and and all of that immediately disappears too it's like i, I want to save you dude the, i can't do it right now but but the only context you have for understanding that squid face has to keep him chained in order for that to continue to happen is the word of the person who's been lying to you the whole time if i set him free does his power dissipate and go away or does he still have that power or is that power only exist because squid face has him in chains i don't know but he's in chains and that's wrong and here's here's the other thing. So, if you're so thinking there's, it, there's a couple of I have a couple of questions for you. Shoot, because I, I think you've read things differently than I have at a couple of instances, and I'm not sure if you're right or I'm right. So or maybe, maybe my we're read both is right, or maybe we're both wrong. But either way, because yeah, I think possible. you mentioned a couple of times, you've hinted at the idea that Emperor huh? was the illithid on the illithid ship. Yes. And that's not he my actually, read at all. Like, I've never actually he, made that connection. He told us that. Okay. Yeah. The the guy in the intro who floats in with the extra shit behind him, that's the emperor. So he actually came out of the artifact in order to put the thing in your eye and then floated it. 
See, and I've totally read that situation completely differently. So did you get the scene? I don't know whether it's when you're looking at his mind or whatever, where you see him um, like living in, um, in Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate and sort of functioning no, as part that, of the ship. OK, that comes after the combat. And that's the thing. Like if if that if you saw that mm-hmm. before you had to make the choice, the choice is easy. Right. But. But you don't see it until after you say, "Oh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll help you keep the guy in captivity." Yeah. What? What? But what you're the choice that you're talking about is, I'm making a connection, and I'm going to choose to sort of paint outside the lines versus the explicit choice that the conversation's putting in front of you right now. No, you know, not so much. Like, here's here's the thing: is that basically you show up, and he goes, "I'm fighting these Gith Yankee, and I have this man in chains. You must help me. Yes or no." Okay. Can can I ask for some clarifications? You have you you're you're my you're the the guardian person who's been appearing mm-hmm. in my dreams as whatever I set you up as at the beginning of the game, but you're actually an illithid. Mm-hmm. You you don't explain that. You literally have a connection to my mind. You can put this into my mind in a half a second. Mm-hmm. Put it in my brain so that I have context for the decision. It's literally I've been lying to you this whole time. Help me now. No, no, I don't trust you. And this is this is uh, sort of the and I understand that it's a video game and, and like they have mm-hmm. to present you with with hard choices. And I get that. And this is one of the things and the reason that I put it in the in the place that I did about like homebrew versus whatever is that like if there's a dungeon master involved, you would say to the dungeon master, like this choice doesn't make sense to me. Have I forgotten something in the stuff that has been leading up to this? Have you been dropping hints to this that I've just missed? Like. Mm-hmm how do I make this decision? And they would present you with a little bit more context, or they would simply say, you have to choose and you don't have context for the discussion. And mm-hmm. the, the, the thing that rubbed me the wrong way is that like the interactions that I had uh, before I have to make that choice lead me. Uh, and, and like, if it wasn't game ending, but like penal, like punishing, I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. But it's literally, if you make this choice, the game is over. And it comes down to that sort of save or suck dynamic of, okay, I'm going to cast my seventh level spell. And if it goes off, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Oh, it fizzles. My seventh level spell slot is gone. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm useless for the rest of this encounter. So now what, right? Like those kinds of dynamics are not inherently mm-hmm. fun is is my contention with that. Nope. And, and, and I get it. Like, you're not wrong. I guess... What I find Was interesting it? is that in order, like if I want to side with, with Orpheus, if mm-hmm. I play it out the way sort of in the sequence, the game actually presents it and gives you the, like explicitly gives you the choice rather than implicitly, oh, you see this guy and you, you know what's wrong. When you, you're explicitly given the choice, in order to free him, you need to get the Orphic hammer to break the shit that's binding him. Okay. So... I'm wondering if it's just a, an oversight. Like, would you have felt better about the situation as if you tried to free Orpheus and just couldn't at that moment? I, I, probably. I, here's the thing is that, like, I would, for me, and this is specifically for me now, I would like to be presented with at least a hint of why does he need to stay in chains for this to continue to work? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I, I'm not given anything about up until this point, I have I know nothing about who my guardian is, where they have come from, 
why they're involved, why they're doing this. It's literally, I have the lines, I'm an adventurer like you just trying to get free. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm, I'm actually the guardian who's been uh, applying in your dreams. Just, just ignore the squid tentacles in my face. Mm -hmm. None of this fills me with faith. No, I, I, I completely agree. But to me, it's just, it's one of those situations. It'd be like in a, in a game, you know, um, you're in, you're in the prancing pony, uh, you know, it's just getting ready to leave the shy, the shire and, and, and Sauron walks into the bar. If your reaction is I'm going to go over and punch him, you're going to die. Do I know he's Sauron? Yep. Or, or, or does he, does he look he's like announced that somebody all oh, presenting the dark Lord. No, walks I'm not going to walk bars. over and punch him. It's like Darth Vader but, walking in, right? I mean, it's kind of a false equivalence, though. Let me ask. It is a little bit, but it's one of those yeah. situations where it's like, oh, I know that this is a good thing is protecting right. and, me. Yes. Okay. Right. And Sauron, that's clear. Yeah. I don't know that this person is is protecting me. They're telling me that they're protecting me, but they've been lying to me the entire time I've known them about who they are. If they mm-hmm. gave me some context about who they are, because I but never had any. You know the artifact is protecting you. You know it's being I, protected. Yes, but is that squid face or is that the gift that's being uh, strung up in, in energy bonds? I, I have to assume that it's the gift in energy bonds because it's like you have to, you have to. He has to stay here, or, or see. We'll and maybe die. it's just dialogue that got missed because, like in that that sequence for me, like it was like this dude's a battery, like. What's going on there is what's keeping you alive. Like there wasn't any any right, confusion about only, that for but, me. But 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 the only the only source of that information is someone who has been lying to you the entire time you've known them. My question to you is did you walk in there and go, "Oh, he's a squid face, but I guess I can trust him?" No, but I walked into that cuz I don't see I don't I I still don't make the connection between him and the the squid on the ship. Like I did not get that at all in my okay, playthroughs. Then, then, so then throw, that, have, throw that out. Throw that out. He's a squid face now. Right. And I know He's generally just, speaking, illithids are bad. I'm half illithid at this point, but I'm not bad. He's also been guiding me and keeping me alive to this point, regardless of what his motivations are. You has know, he? The the has he? Or the absolute or, is the bad person at this point. Like that that yes, wasn't but, a but. But the absolute is an elder brain, and well, here's another thing too: is that like uh, this is this is a little bit of an aside, but it feels like the game actually ended before that happened. Like if you send Gale in there to blow himself up and kill the elder elder brain, did you? No. Or did you not? No. No. I, I didn't either. So if you send Gale in to blow up the elder brain, is that game over too? Like you would assume, like you don't have an elder brain anymore. Gale destroyed it. Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, so the game ends, and now we're going into Act 3, which is actually after the game ends, and it does feel like that a little bit. But I don't, yeah, like, I don't think that Act 3 happens at that point. Like, your game ends at that point. Yes, agreed, agreed, agreed. Because why would you? Right. Right, there's no Elder Brain anymore, there's nothing to sever the connection, Mm -hmm. you assume that everything just goes That is one of the seven different options you learn you have for dealing with this situation. Yes, so like that's a speedrunner's option. Yeah. So yeah. so you you get called up and and you go into the brain and this person says 
we have to keep, we have to keep this guy captive. Trust me. And your first instinct was, yeah, okay. No, this is my first instinct was, this is fishy. I can wow. understand why an illithid would not want to be completely forthcoming with me. Mm-hmm. But thus far, it seems like he's had my back. These dudes are already attacking me. And everything that I've done with Lazal as it's related to the gif has blown up. Let's go talk to these people. They tried to kill us. Let's go do this purification thing. They tried to kill you, then tried to kill us. So understanding what Orpheus's role is, the natural conclusion is, yeah, this guy's going to try and kill us too. And if right now he's also the only thing sustaining us, like that spell, that, that, that binding, that battery situation, like if I can figure out a way to free him, I will do it. I got to figure out a way to free him, you know, and my read on that situation at the time was like, I really, I didn't try and go over there and whack things. Or did I? I I didn't, I didn't even make it. Yeah. I literally said no. It it was, you know, like look in my brain and like there's other situations that did happen in the game that were similar. Like there's something, I forget what it was that I tried to do where I run into essentially an encounter with, with Blackith during one of Lazel's thing where she's doing the almost like the, the giant emperor or um, yeah. Yeah. The hologram projection thing. thingy yeah. thing where you can yeah. do something with her and she just says, you die now. You're, you're and all you die. dead. Yeah. Yeah. She cast wish. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I got, I've got very close to that, but I, yeah. I didn't so, go. I mean, I would look at that situation and say like dying, and, you know, having to reload, like, that is the information that you wish you would have been given in advance, and, I and guess. I'm, listen, I'm okay with that. Like, the, yeah. the one with, with Vlacketh, like, I, I avoided. This one, it's just, like, my objection is that I felt like I didn't have enough context to make an actual decision. And it wasn't clear uh, at that point that saying no was, all right, everybody's going to be, um, like, antagonistic, and they're, they're all going to try and kill you. Right. It just wasn't clear. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly minor quibble. Like we've gone off on it an awful lot. Yeah. But it, my, and really the, the heart of my objection is that there's like one line of dialogue that just has to come before the yes or no. And, I, and I, I'm certainly not going to disagree with you on that. It, now that I'm hearing how you've experienced that differently than me, it's obvious that there's some clunkiness there that the writing could have been tightened and ordered a little bit differently and, and things to, to I'm not avoid even sure it, your situation. I think there needs to be, because there is, like, when you go into the emperor's mind, right, mm-hmm. there is a line of dialogue that is delivered by the narrator where the narrator says, it is clear to you now that you must help the emperor. Mm-hmm. And if there was a second clause on that sentence, because this is what's happening, because obviously that's the information that he would have given you, then I would have been like, okay, I understand why I have to do this. I don't like it. As you say, it's fishy. <laughs> this is weird. I'm going to mm-hmm. find a way to free this guy later. And but I wonder I'm, if like, in my playthrough things just must have happened in a slightly different order or something, because like by the time I felt like I was making any sort of decisions about it, I had that information. I didn't. So I didn't. It was literally, I came in and talked to him. He said, help me kill the honor guard. Um, you know, we have to keep this guy captive. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll look into your mind. He goes, are you serious? And then the narrator gives you a line of dialogue. You feel like you have to help the emperor, which is very much an echo of the first one, first dying uh, Elitha that you meet in the crashed ship, where it's like, you feel compassion? Yeah. That's not right. You should feel angry, right? I'm like, oh, my mind is being manipulated, right? Because mm-hmm. it's very much an echo of that same thing. But that, anyway. that in its very essence is you kind of metagaming it, right? Like if you were... My character experienced one thing. My character experiences this. My character would think these two things are similar. Right. But, you know, you're also explicitly being told. And, and first of all, you know, it is a taboo. A DM of a game should not tell you how you feel. However, if how you it's, feel. It's appropriate in this context. How you feel is based on a role or, or something like that. Man, maybe there was a, like an invisible save or something that happens in there that changes the way things go. I mean, there's a lot of that in the game. You probably mm-hmm. have that stuff turned off so you don't even know when failed saves are happening, I assume. So maybe that's what happened there. But either way, as a result of whatever led to that situation, you were being told you feel like you need to help the emperor. You're right. saying... Actually, no, bitch, I don't feel that way. Right. But that's, because that's technically metagaming. That's, that's you as a sure. player taking your knowledge to override how your character, your avatar character in this case, okay. is actually but, feeling. But if that's the case, then I should lose control of the avatar of my character and it should oh, just go I, off and I, do its thing. I totally agree. Like, don't get me wrong. And I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm picking the nits. I'm just... Yeah, it's open for it. discussion. I, I agree it. that it's clunky, and in your particular circumstances, obviously that information should have been presented better. It should have been clearer that you would think you would have an opportunity to make that decision later, and that there was something. If you wanted to free Orpheus, well, you'd have an opportunity. No, no, it's it's not. The decision is not about freeing Orpheus or not freeing Orpheus. The decision is is that, is that literally you're given. Nothing other than these Githyanki are attacking, help me, defend me. Okay. Like, there's no other context. It's like, why? Why should I help you? Like, give me a reason to help you. And the only reason I have is a line of dialogue from the, na- from the narrator saying, you feel like you have to so help the emperor. Did the Gith in your uh, situation only attack the emperor or did they not attack you? Uh, they they came into my camp as I was doing long rest and attacked. Which at this point, I mean, they're they're gith, right? They're like, yep. you're not gith. I'm going to yep. attack you. But when you were inside the artifact, they attacked before I came into the right. skull. When I came into the skull, they're red, but they're on the other side of the room, and the emperor and I have a discussion. And this discussion is where I make the decision: Am I on the emperor's side? Or am I not on the emperor's side? Okay. And if you are not on the emperor's side, game over. See, and I think, in, and maybe it was just a positional thing. I think in my playthrough, the GIF had already attacked me and my party before the emperor engaged in that dialogue. That dialogue sort of happened as a break mid-combat. It did kind of. <laughs> um, like, you roll for initiative. Is it roll for initiative? I, I forget exactly how it yeah. worked out, but it's basically like there's a cutscene where they're they're like attacking him and punching him, punching all his little brain guys. Yeah. And then he looks at me and says, I'm actually the guardian who's been appearing in your dreams in a completely different form. And even though I've been 
And I wonder if it's honestly, like, I wonder if it's a situation where just he ruled way too good of initiative, where if like he wasn't at the top of the initiative order, the gith would have already been attacking you. Because that's what happened with me. I'm pretty sure my recollection is the gith were already attacking me. I mean, what really should happen is that he shouldn't even have a conversation with you. He should just basically be more or less indestructible or move out of your way and and like be explaining as the combat is happening while the gith are attacking. Anyway, yeah. there's a bunch of different ways to approach yeah. this. If there was a human DM involved, it wouldn't even be a problem. No, absolutely not. I agree. It, it's just, it was so weird that I'm like, well, okay, like the obvious decision here is like, don't side with the evil thing that put a, a bug in my brain. You know, side with the people who are fighting the people who put the bug in my brain. Oh, that's just the end of the game. That's really weird. Yeah. See, and I'm not making the connection at that point. The emperor has put a bug in my brain. I don't even care if it was him personally. He's a squid face. Squid faces are squid faces. Now, here's the thing, too, is that uh, like Omelum that you that you meet in the Underdark, who has escaped from the Elder Brain's influence, mm-hmm. had, a, I think, in the original writing of the story, had a slightly bigger part to play. Yeah. Right. So if he said, like, you know, there are others like me or, you know, there are few of us, but some of us has escaped. So, you know, don't cast judgment immediately. Something. Right. Like I'm thinking about how obvious do you have to be in a lot of uh, fiction, like TV movies and stuff like how obvious and how telegraphed are things. And I've been trained to expect because there's a lot of things in the game that were really, really well set up where I'm like, obviously, this is what's happening. This one hit me like with the what's happening now. Right. Like it, it literally felt like I don't I don't like I get that. Okay, this is the guardian person. But the whole playthrough of the game with the guard, I have not quite trusted the guardian. Like, who are you and what are your motivations? You're so secretive and you won't tell me anything. And we're getting here now where you're saying, help me defend against these people who have, like, I want you to kill. You haven't given me a reason to trust you. No. You've told me over and over and over and over again that I should trust you. I don't really have a reason. I don't know that you're you're protecting me. No. I know that I, you've I told guess. me you're protecting me. But okay, so in 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 that situation you've got a reason to be suspicious, rightfully so. But the gift have just attacked you at every point. So you have absolutely every reason not to trust them. Except I, for Lazel. I'm killing the gith regardless. I'm just not trusting this person. Right? And there right. needs to be a third option which is I mean, I'll kill the gift because they're trying to kill me, but I don't trust you and we need to have a conversation afterwards or we're going to fight. And you do. That that happens later in the game. Not, yeah. not all yes. that much later. Right. And that's that, like this feels really weirdly out of place is my whole point. Like the whole yeah. rest of the game is like this well-paced story. There's a few places where I've done things a little bit out of order and some dialogue options have been a bit weird, mm-hmm. um, but understandably so because I did things weird. This feels like this is the next thing I should do, and I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. So in a game, and we've discussed this a bunch of times, that is just so good, this one thing just it, – it, it's like it's like eating egg salad, and you're like, oh, this is good egg salad, and then you have oh, an egg shell. It's like egg salad. Oh, yeah. Potato salad. Do you like potato salad? As long as it's got no egg in it. All right, so you have potato salad, right? And all the potatoes are cooked except for one little chunk of potato where you bite into a raw potato and you're like, oh, 
Yep. The rest of the potato salad is amazing. That one piece, it's just, it just feels wrong. I mean, that's, you know, I still feel that way about the control scheme. Like it is just, it's, it's the one obvious blemish on something that is otherwise a masterpiece for me. And they removed something from the control scheme too that really frustrates me is the camera will no longer swing around to come behind you as you're moving. Unless you're using a controller. So now you have to manually rotate the camera every time. Which I would normally do anyway, so that wouldn't have bothered me so much. I, I'm usually annoyed when the camera starts doing shit on its own. And I think that's why they removed it, is because it felt a little bit weird for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, I wish it was a toggle. With the exception of cameras adjusting themselves for elevation, is it the train oh, yeah. behind you? That's got to be yeah. automatic. But Yeah. There are many things. Anyway, I mean, we're, we're disagreeing about the, the context of this. It would be interesting for uh, both of us to, to go through the scene. I still have that save mm-hmm. uh, just before that happens. So it would be interesting to see, like, hey, let's go through this. And, and like, what are you basing the context of this decision on? Because if you come to it cold, mm-hmm. like, it really feels to me like you have no idea what the, yeah. the consequences here are. Yeah, and I just don't. And, you know, maybe it's because I've already had, like, all the gifts, you know, proving that they can't be trusted. And while I am definitely suspicious about this dude, I, I know that this is what's keeping me alive right now. So. Right. And my point you know. is you, you don't know that you've made that assumption. We've made two different assumptions here. Yeah. I'm assuming that he's still lying to me. And if I free this guy, the protection still exists because it's the artifact. So he's aside still from in the uh, artifact, aside of, aside from the tentacles though, what has he lied to you about? He's, he's appeared to me in a different shape forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically all of the, I, I, it's difficult to put my fingers on exactly what the lies are like to go. Yeah. He said a, and, and B was actually true. It was just, he didn't tell me, didn't tell me, didn't tell me, didn't tell me, tells me, not really what's going on, not quite mm-hmm. what's going on. Right. And I understand why, like I understand mm-hmm. why, but in the context of the game, right. If, if someone presented themselves to you as, um, I don't know, as left-handed, right. And then no, suddenly no. one day they went right-handed and, and it's like, ha I got you. You're going to be like, like well, yeah, you know what? That's kind of weird that you haven't been forthcoming. And I, I'm going to have to question whether I'm going to trust you moving forward. But if I've got a scale and on one side of it is, you know what? This guy hasn't been entirely forthcoming. And I'm a little bit sus of tentacles. You know, yes. this guy hasn't actively been aggressive right. with me, but he may be a little bit deceptive. And, oh, these fuckers have been trying to kill me for the last right. 40 hours but, of my playthrough. But- let let okay. I don't trust either of them. So let me okay. put the, the let me put the decision into context for you. It's not I'm gonna help the GIF or mm-hmm. I'm gonna help Squidface. It's I'm gonna help Squidface or I'm not going to help Squidface. Okay. I'm not gonna help Squidface. Okay. But there's the choice. Squidface is saying, I'm keeping you alive. You're like, I don't know if I trust you. And you don't help him and you die because he was keeping he was you alive. keeping you alive. And that's fine. Right. Right. 
my my point okay okay so i i get what you're saying yeah it's a question of do i believe in god in case he exists or do i say there is no god and if he does exist i'm fucked and really you know what if i if i said if i if i believed in the thing and it turns out to be true it's fine and if it doesn't yeah. then no loss i i approached that decision differently which was either you you help the squid face guy or you tell him i don't trust you yet which is really the question that was presented to me. Yeah. Right. Which, it wasn't, again, it, I wonder if it was literally just a bad initiative role, because it was literally like, in my situation, the Gith were attacking me. So it wasn't a matter of, do I want to help him or not? It's, am I going to defend myself against these people that are attacking me? And I'm helping him by proxy and defending myself. Right. But if you, okay. Like, so like if, sitting if in the and, middle of sitting and waiting it out wasn't an option for I, me. I wasn't sitting and waiting it out though that's the thing it's just like i'm i don't trust you like the, the question that was posed to me basically and the way it was phrased was do you trust me and the answer is no and if you say no he goes hostile and now you're fighting all of them and regardless of the outcome of that fight you die game over yeah i don't remember right? it quite like, panning out that way for me that's really how it felt to me was like, mm -hmm. at this point, I'm simply saying, I don't trust you. Yeah. And it's all right, then I'm going to kill you. Yep. It's like, well, what? That, that, that's not what the dialogue option And what said. I will say, there is another clumsy instance of something at the end involving that character where his writing could have been way better. Yeah, I've read you know, some spoilers I, on that. Okay, where so, it's, it's basically, um, okay, well, I want to free Orphis. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to side with the Elder Brain then. Yeah, which is bonkers. It's like you've been fighting the Elder Brain this whole time. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, even if we're not on the same side, we can still, you know, yeah. we have a common so, enemy. I agree. Some some clunky writing, some clun clunky execution around that character. We're on the same page. Yeah. Well, mostly. We we still have beef. Or we'll come back to yep. it and chew on it later. We're, we're, we're not <laughs> friends anymore. Um <laughs> Well, I, I had some questions that I wanted to ask you about some homebrew shit, but we're already almost two hours and 20 minutes into this, so I think I'll save it for the next episode. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on uh, before we bring I, this to a close? I think I've ranted enough, honestly. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> oh, well, that's Fuck a new you, one. fuck the horse you rode in on. No, yeah. I'm kidding, man. Yeah, I know. Hey, I got it's a parting gift for you. Sweet. Not the audience. This is for you specifically. Oh, okay. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Anybody want a Because fuck the audience and the horse they rode in on. What audience? It's just Ian. It's Ian and your wife and occasionally Ian, my fuck wife. fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not going to say that to my wife. <laughs> no, this is... I, I wouldn't either. <laughs> Tanya and I have been re-watching this show, Elementary. Did you ever watch that? I, I, I remember it. It's basically Sherlock Holmes, only he's a woman in this one? Is that no, the, is Sherlock that Holmes in New York, played by Johnny Lee Miller. So, Pack the Planet, you know? Uh, I, Dave I, Murphy from Hackers. Uh, Watson is a woman, played by Lucy Liu. Right. Okay, that's what it was. I, I, I've, I think I've seen an episode or two. Cindy may have watched it. I remember being intrigued by the premise. It is. It's a great show. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's prime time-ish television. Like it's not super duper deep. 
And it's obviously not completely faithful to Sherlock Holmes. But I would argue that it is a much, much better Sherlock Holmes and in the spirit of show than uh, the BBC Benedict Cucumber Patch (laughs) shit that he did. Which... Uh. My wife loves the BBC show and in it, you know, for its for its own things, it's 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 entertaining enough. But as a Sherlock Holmes, it misses the point. I won't get into the why so much. I've plugged H Bomber guy so much over the years, but he actually does a, 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 I don't know, it's like a four hour long episode on why Sherlock sucks. He, he dropped a new episode. Have you watched it? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I've been paying attention to the whole James Summerton situation since then and it's just been he's funny like you know he just basically just ends a person's whole life at Christmas time every year now that's just kind of his thing. It's uh he ends someone's scam every year at Christmas yeah. time. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. Anyway, elementary. I I will go and watch it because it was something that was on my list and it fell off yeah. the radar. So it, it's sort of a good blend of Sherlock Holmes and like your procedural sort of crime shit that you know normally gets popular in prime time. It finds that nice middle ground. What it does is it takes you along for the ride. The big thing that Sherlock Holmes, the the BBC stuff, misses. Is they just, you know, there's this cartoonish version of Sherlock Holmes who has information that you as the audience don't have. And he just yes. spins, you know, he pulls a puzzle, like the answer out of his ass, essentially. Where this show isn't perfect, uh, Sherlock with, with Johnny Lee Miller, but it does a good enough job of bringing you through the mystery, allow you as the audience to start trying to answer and put piece together the puzzles you know usually the person that's responsible at the end you've had an opportunity some at some point to say i think it's that person and here's why with information that you've presented so that you get to solve the mystery along with sherlock it's a little bit that you you said there's an analogy that really struck me uh as you were talking about the bbc sherlock Holmes because i really enjoy that show because i i like um I like Smaug and I like Bilbo and, mm-hmm. you know, Benedict Cumberbund or whatever his name is. And if it wasn't and, Sherlock Holmes, right? Like yeah. it'd be and that, that's, fine. That's, 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 so there's two things that I want to say. Number one, it's an awful lot like the new Star Trek movies where it's a great show. It's not Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And number two is it's like watching a magic show, mm-hmm. right? If the trick is entertaining enough, you don't need to know how the magician did it. But if the trick is only mildly entertaining, which is what Sherlock Holmes is, you have to see how the sausage is made. Right. Like generally the point of a mystery is to be involved in the process of solving the mystery. Yes. Um, you know, and, and a good contrast to that, I mean, in addition to this Sherlock is the Knives Out movies. Like if oh. you haven't watched them, watch them. Um, Brian Johnston. So it's the guy who did the, the, the Last Jedi or whatever it is. So, you know, controversial oh. or whatever, but this is his shtick where it's funny because like sometimes you're trying to solve the mystery with him and then sometimes halfway through the movie, he'll just solve the mystery for you. And then you got to figure out sort of the mystery around the mystery. And anyway, great because everything, like every scene in those movies, the purpose is to get you speculating about what's going on and trying to, trying to see the things that are there 
for you to see, but they're not obvious and try and put together, you know, the, the, the mystery. It's like, I don't know. It'd be the difference between, you know, going to an escape room and watching a live stream of somebody in an escape room, but you don't Both get to see the rooms, right? That's what oh. the other Sherlock is. Like, you don't, you know, you don't get to, you get to watch a guy make quips and be interesting and enigmatic in a kind of a cartoonish version. And that's all fine. Except at the end, he's telling you, well, this is how I solved this mystery. And he's like, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I was never presented that information. It's yeah. Which really ties into our previous conversation really well. Um, yes. There's, yes. there's, well, there's an old adage in the, in the film industry, right? Like show me, don't tell me. Yeah. So if you come to the end of the show and you have to tell me what happened, it was a bad show. Yeah. So fair enough. I will watch it. Check it out. I wonder if there's a way to actually chop this episode into two pieces because it would make two great episodes. Uh, we'll see how long it is by the time I edit out, out the all silences. my silences. And, <laughs> you know, there weren't that many. No. You, you might get it down to two hours. It's been good talking to you, man. It's been way too long. Yes. Let's let's not wait a month. No. Let's There's no let's major do holidays in January, right? Uh I think there's traveling anywhere. Oh, uh, well, I'm gonna go to the beach a couple of times. You know, it's only minus five. Yeah, that's still shorts weather here. Still shorts weather. Well, if anybody's listening to this, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And, it, and if nobody's listening, we'll we'll see you never. Fuck you and your horse. Ah. And your cat. <laughs> I mean, traditionally, that's what you do with cats, right? No, that's what you do with cats. And you've made that very, very clear with a lot of information you've provided over the last few years. I've played D&D &D with you as a player, motherfucker. I know what you do with cats. <laughs> <laughs>